0: Drive All Night is supported by listeners like you. To find out how you can help, please visit patreon.com slash Amos. There you'll learn what exciting rewards we're offering for your support. Again, that's patreon.com slash Amos to help us continue to make high quality and tori attainment for you.
1: The wedding was um, really neat. I think a part of me. I was never going to get married, so when he asked me, um, I dropped my teacup. <laughs> and um, for some reason, it felt, it just felt right. Um, I wrote Jackie's strength right after he had asked me. And I think a part of me is the girl in Jackie's strength who never made it to the church that day.
0: Hey everybody, you're listening to Drive All Night, the songs of Tori Amos. We're your hosts, I'm Efren Junior. And I'm David Anderson. And on today's episode, we're talking about Jackie strength, the fifth track from Tori's fourth
2: album, From the Choir Girl Hotel. Are you? I'm okay. I could use a little bit of Jackie's strength if you know what I mean. <laughs> Have you found love in the time of COVID? I haven't, but I found the knees of a crone in the time of COVID. I don't know if you remember I was talking about my quarantine workout regiment. Uh, when last we spoke. (laughs) We all remember. Yeah. So I've somehow managed to avoid the Rona, but I've injured myself severely. So I'm basically bedridden now. (laughs) It's great. Well, perhaps you were going overboard with three workouts a day. Maybe. It's almost as if going to extremes doesn't work well in any area of life. (laughs) But you know, I'm all or nothing. Big gulp or double gulp. You know, Tori told you last week, overindulgence makes you a pig. That's true. Wise words. I'm sure she... Also meant with workouts.
0: In one ear and out the other. Oh, boy. No, but how have you been? Good?
2: Yeah, generally
0: speaking, I'm pretty good. How about you? Not too bad. Excited to talk about Jackie's strength as
2: it looks to me to be the precursor for my favorite song hotel that's right i'm excited to talk about it too and you know what's weird before i injured myself when i was still taking my morning walks every day when i would round a certain corner i looked down and oddly enough someone had written the name jackie into the concrete so Mm. she is with us Mm -hmm. i don't know what that means but i think she got something to say (laughs) you think it was jackie onassis i do from beyond the grave or Aunt Jackie from Roseanne. Yeah, or maybe Jack A. Harry from 227. <laughs> oh, Mary. If I was going to invoke anybody's strength, yeah, I think it would be Sandra from 227. Oh, Mary. Yeah. Obviously, when she says that, she's referring to Mary Magdalene. Right. <laughs> exactly. Or the Virgin Mary. That's the one. It's Either like, oh, way. Mary, get bent. Because we got to marry those Marys. Uh-huh. Yeah. Would you officiate that wedding of the two Marys? <laughs> And do you think Mary Mary would make it to her own wedding?
0: Let me tell you, if I felt that Mary Magdalene was finally going to marry the Virgin Mary, I would do what it takes to officiate that wedding. I would get my online officiant certificate. I would go to rabbinical school. I don't care. Yeah. I would I don't know what I'd have to do. What was the first time you heard Jackie's Strength? What was that
2: experience like for you? I can tell you that it was one of those leaked tracks that I got ahead of time, and I was in my dorm room, and I listened to it alone in the dark. And I don't know if tears were shed, but it's very possible. When I think of Tori, what I want from her first and foremost usually is the opposite of you. I want a piano-heavy track, and if there's a string arrangement with it, all the better. So I think I was sort of relieved that in the midst of all this change and the band this song came along that sounded like classic Tory to me. And I forwarded (laughs) I remember forwarding the mp3 to a friend and I think I said something embarrassing like this might be the most beautiful song I've ever heard. (laughs) And it has not stayed with me in that way it's not one of my favorites or anything like that. But yeah, it was a moment me crying in my dorm room listening to new Tory, how about you i love
0: that you say things like and i think i may have said this which well you know damn well you said it shut up (laughs) if people are going to start telling the truth around here i'm going to bed uh, okay there was a time that tori could do no wrong for me certainly from the choir girl hotel and when i say that something is my least favorite song on an album that means nothing i don't even know why i say it just yeah. to quantify it i guess yeah this album is a masterpiece i believe the first at least six albums are are all master master pie
2: <laughs>
3: through <laughs> strange little girls yes
0: through strange little girls even to scarlet's walked i certainly would qualify scarlet's walk to be a masterpiece but jackie's strength i love i rem- remember remember Let me take you back to a time I call the 90s. Mm. New Mexico, this mythical land, and my squadron of lesbian friends. Plus, I think she might not have been a lesbian, but my friend Jackie. You remember Jackie from singing the entirety of Siren to me. Perfect. Note for note. Yeah. With complete lyrics. Yeah. Anyway, Jackie, I always equated the song with Jackie. I don't know why. What could the thematic link be? I'm not sure. Hmm, I'm confused. But no, I love this song. I think it's a beautiful song. You're right. I can absolutely see young David Nadine Anderson on his bed crying because he got the piano track and strings, everything you've ever wanted. And things are changing, but there's always still the core of Tory there. I can see
2: it. I can see that happening. I probably had like a blanket over my head, like a veil covering my shame and my tears. (laughs) Mm. Well, i'm excited to have this conversation with you because i love when you rank a song dead last on an album and i know what you mean like something has to be in that slot nothing against the song or it doesn't mean that you don't like it or whatever but i always like to challenge i'll say us myself though to switch the ranking with you by the end of the episode so 11 12 give it to me jackie's 12 what's 11 on this album it's going to shock people, and it, it may result in
0: my unfollowing. People will unfollow me, so I don't want to say. This is a safe
2: space. <laughs> this is
0: where we tell the truth. We've taken an oath. You have to understand where I was when this album came out. I was living for the band. Now, I fell in love with Tori, just like everybody else did, with Little Earthquakes Under the Pink, Boys for Pele. I love those albums. Absolutely, right? I mean, I wouldn't be here if I didn't love those albums. And they're all piano centric. Obviously, I love Tori with the piano, right? But when she introduced the band, It blew my mind. It blew my mind of what the possibilities could be for a piano player. It blew my mind for what the possibilities could be for the instrument and for Tori, like what the future could hold. My God, if she can add a band and still be the lead, like still not be swallowed up by the rhythm, then she can do anything, right? (laughs) So I was living for this album. And so my least favorites were, of course, the ones that didn't have that rhythm and that percussion so that's why i would put Jackie strength and northern lad at the bottom i don't but think that's shocking remember remember the bottom is not the bottom like everything is perfect i fucking love northern lad i love jackie's strength i love these songs so don't mischaracterize me goddammit. it you
2: don't have to justify anything to me or anybody else thank you thank you i thought you were gonna say she's I, your cocaine but maybe that's just because what i would say hell no okay i love
0: that song all right. I love- yes, that is her Ozzy Osbourne moment. That is her glam rock moment. I'm in. I'm into it. Shame. shame, 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 shame.
4: I said I, I got none.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, do you think it's possible to swap Northern Lad and Jackie? I mean, well, we'll see. We'll see. Right. I love
0: them both. They're dead even. All the songs are really dead even, except for Hotel. Yeah. Hotel's number one, and then everything else is number two.
2: We get it. You're Tory polyamorous. I swing. Yeah. All right. Let's get to the track, shall okay. we? Okay. Yeah. Might as well.
0: Should we talk about our guests today on this show? Who made the guest list for the wedding? Sitting at the head table, we've invited none other than our good friend, James Brown, who directed the music video for Jackie Strength. Hmm. He's back today to talk about everything, Jackie, to talk about his inspiration, his muse, the process, everything. It's a masterclass with director James Brown. I'm ready. We also have conductor David Furman. He was the conductor that led the Sinfonia of London in a recording session at Tori's house. He conducted the strings arranged by John Phil Chennault. We can say that he's actually responsible for bringing me to tears. The man who makes you weep. Also, with a little treat, we've invited Douglas Nepper to join us on the line to do a commentary track for the Jackie Strength video with us because it's his favorite video. Yeah, Douglas is our plus 1. It's his favorite video and he's our favorite Douglas. Oh. And let's say hello to our Patreon supporters, David. Hello. Hello Patreons, so, <laughs> young and old. I mean young and classic. Yes. Hello. <laughs> this week we have two. Joe Olsen upped his pledge. Hi Joe, love you Joe. And Adagun Mert upped his pledge as well. Hi. Mm, hello. As always, of course, we'd like to thank Shay Stymak for her tireless efforts putting together our show notes, which are the driving force behind this show. We pray for Jack Shay's strength. No. A booby shay till her wedding day.
2: Every time. <laughs> I've been working on that one. Okay. So, should we get to it? I can't wait to see who catches the bouquet. Every time people claim their glasses, we have to do the heavy breathing from the end of Raspberry Swirl. I'm ready. So, let's start with a cover. This is the Vitamin String Quartet covering Jackie's strength. Gorgeous. <laughs>
5: new
1: album who is jackie Jackie's strength Who's well Jackie's strength is really i was asked to get married right and um i was quite nervous because i'd never thought i'd get married before it just wasn't something that i was going to do mm-hmm. even though i believe in monogamy just having the uh, the church and state condone my union wasn't important to me and um in fact, I really didn't want that. So when he asked me, it brought up obviously a lot of things and I started going back in my little movie in my head, different moments of my life and I remember my mother telling me that the day Jack Kennedy died, John F. Kennedy, that um, she put me down, she had to lay me down because her heart started to slow down and she couldn't breathe and... Um, all she thought of was Jackie and the strength that it would take Jackie to lead the nation, which she did. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really knew that I was going to need sign kind of strength because I'm I'm made up of, like, two personalities. And there's one side of me that could very easily have ended up at the 7-Eleven, sitting outside, um, drinking a Slurpee in my wedding dress and just missing the whole thing. And then there's the other one that that did make it to the church. So this song is about the one that... That made it. No, this is the one that that drank the Slurpee, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, She's still out there somewhere. (laughs) She's sitting on the steps with her Slurpee.
0: Jackie's strength reached number 54 on the U.S. Hot 100 charts. The Hot 100s. Hot 100s. The remix single, which was released the following year, reached number five on the Hot Dance Club play charts in Mm. the U.S.
2: Isn't that amazing? It is. Do you think it was the cover art that really put it over the top?
0: That's throbbing cover art. That and the cruel Raspberry Swirl single, those pictures can only be described as throbbing. Do you throb when you look at them? (laughs) No, but she looks
2: like she's throbbing. My goodness. I was scandalized by the fact that she was wearing a plugged performance apron over nothing. I know. (laughs)
0: You're telling me. It's like when a lady walks into the room in just a trench coat. She's, she's stealing the thunder from the bride at her own wedding. She showed up in that. Right. It takes a lot of nerve. It also reached number 42 on the Hot 100 Airplay in the U.S. That's a regular single. It was the
2: second single from, from the Choir Girl Hotel. Was I not How listening exciting. to the radio in 1998? Because I this is another song that I never heard on the radio a single time. Really? No. Radio betrayed you. I guess so. Also of note, Jackie's strength reached number
0: 12 on the Canadian Hot 100 charts. Strings arranged by Phil Chennault, strings played by the Symphonia of London, conducted by David Furman, my good friend David, who you'll hear from later. Call him Dave. Drums by Matt Chamberlain, bass by Justin Melville Johnson, acoustic and electric guitar Steve Caton, with boozy and vocal by Tori Amos. Yes. Man, that's a lot of personnel. Yes, it is. It's a lot of people that it takes to make a good song like this. Do you think they all got invited to the rehearsal dinner? Since we're at the beginning of the show, David, we should play the song as it was in its beginning. There was a leaked demo
2: of this song, and I think it really helps to see how the song has evolved. I do recall. And, you know, for once we can say (laughs) with no question that this is a legit demo. And I have to say that when push comes to shove, this may be my favorite version of the song ever. The demo. It's really beautiful. Shut up. Really? It's super pure. Yeah.
0: Okay. Roll it, Oliver. Oliver, our sound man.
5: (laughs) Make me laugh. Say you know what you want. You see.
0: Besides the demo, this song appears on From the Choir Hotel, obviously, which was released on the 4th of May in the UK and the 5th of May in the United States. It also appears on all the cassette singles and CD singles, which were enhanced. The CD singles, do
2: you remember it being enhanced? Yes. Slammed it into that CD realm. Do you remember what would happen if you put it in your drive? It would play the video? (laughs) Yeah. Or, Or it would just spin endlessly? (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it depends on how hot your machine was or yeah. how hot it got. Like the fan would turn on. Yeah,
2: mine was pretty um, <laughs> hot. It would choke on that single like, ugh, so
0: much content.
2: I don't ugh. know what to do.
0: So it would play the video. It was great. I loved it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and it had the B-sides, Never Seen Blue, and Beula Land. Beula. I think it would also play the Raspberry Swirl video too, wouldn't
2: it? Am I misremembering? No, I think you're right. I think they were both included. Why do you think there was like a four-month lag between Spark and Jackie's Strength being released as singles? That's a long time. Was Spark just blowing it up to the extent that they didn't want to overload people with another song? Maybe Spark was a big step for her. Spark was really
0: kind of shocking for people.
2: Yeah, it was. And that- Maybe I'm overstating it with the word shocking, but... For the fans. It was. And I do remember Spark getting played every hour on the hour when it premiered um, in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. which is a big deal for Tori. And that song really crossed over. I remember a lot of people that I knew kind of casually (laughs) talking about it and being aware of it in a way that they weren't about her music before. So maybe they were really just taking their time to take Spark as far as they could before rolling out another single. Yeah, that was a gap because Spark was released in April,
0: right? And this single, Jackie's Strength, wasn't released until the 15th of September. Right.
2: That's a um, long time. It was a long time. And she'd been on the road for several months already at that point. So, Yeah. Maybe she just forgot. Oh, we forgot to put out a second single. I've been touring. Oh, God. Or maybe they had a hard time scheduling the video shoot with everything else that was going on. Mm. So that was as soon as they could do it.
0: I don't know about that because the video actually came out in August. August 15th was the video release date, which was prior to the single being released for radio. But we can ask James Brown later. All right. Give us all the tea on tea. Jackie Strength Remixes CD and Vinyl Single came out on February 23rd, 1999. And that included the Jackie Strength Wedding Cake edit. Let's listen to that. And then the Wedding Cake Club mix. And then the wedding cake meltdown mix she's having a meltdown or is the cake melting down (laughs) i think it's the cake someone left the cake out in the rain and then she slathers herself with it and just keeps (laughs) dancing here's the jackie strength one rascal dub Number two, where's number one? Also the Jackie Strength bonus beats. Okay, here's one rascal dub number one. Found it.
2: And that's all the mixes it's a lot of mixes yeah it is these mixes have like a little TT T. peniston thing going on for me C-C-T-T-T. there's like uh, I'm Finally picking... it has happened to Jackie I got married and I went to my own wedding day I don't know but do you think that <laughs> these are like the gayest things Tori has ever put out because I do No. No? No. I think the
0: gayest thing Tori's ever done since we're on the subject is the flavor video. Really? Maybe Raspberry Swirl was the gayest thing she ever did. Flavor's up there, though. What is it? The styling? Her cat eye makeup? Waltzing through the streets? When she steals that woman's purse and then goes to the subway? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) At least that's how I read it. Yeah. The song also appeared on Tales of a Librarian from November 2003, as well as A Piano in 2006. Here's the remixed version.
5: 21. Never thought my day would call my bridesmaids. Get angry. Pray for
0: This song also appeared on not one, not two, but three legs and boots from Washington, D.C., Boston, Massachusetts, and Dallas, Texas. And finally, David, this song has the distinction of being included on gold dust. A retrospective of Tori Amos's career with
5: strings. So
2: Jackie has pretty much appeared on every official release ever. Yeah, very proud of it. I would be too if I wrote it. Should we get into the quotes? I'm ready. Who's going to give the first toast? This is from
0: Take to the Sky fanzine, December 1994, prior to Jackie Strength even being written. You ready mm. for this? Issue yep. seven. What's next? Is there anything planned other than
2: finishing up your tour? Baby. Really? Yeah. Are you getting married? No. I don't believe in getting married. I believe in. I'm into making cubs. You know what I mean? I'm not into marriage because that just doesn't work for me. I'm there because I want to be there. I don't need the approval of church and state, but believe me, everybody else who wants to get married, knock yourself out. Enjoy yourselves. I'm just not like that. <laughs> Well, get it, girl. here we have another statement on record that she immediately walked back. I'll never tour with a band. I don't believe in song sequels. I'm not getting married. Check, check, check. I'd hate to be confronted with my old sound bites. <laughs> I know, right? Thank God none of this is being recorded for posterity. I know. I like her one word responses, not what's next. Oh, I think I'm going to have a baby. She just says, baby, like it's another bullet point on her to-do list. Baby, check right. that off. <laughs> So, yeah, Um, interesting. Tori was pretty outspoken about never wanting to get married, much like Oprah. You're obsessed with comparing Tori to Oprah. I'm obsessed with comparing everyone to Oprah. We'll never live up to her, (laughs) I can
0: tell you that. This is from Wall of Sound, April 1998. Someone asks her, when you write songs, did you hear the other instruments in your head? And she says, in my head, there's always an orchestra playing, sometimes out of tune, but it's playing. I had to understand that that isn't necessarily what I would put to tape. I would say, okay, just because I'm hearing this in my head doesn't mean that I've expressed it to the people who are listening to this music. They aren't necessarily hearing what I'm hearing. So if I want
2: them to hear this, I need to call in these players to put it down. Do you remember that clip of Tori's mom when she's talking about Tori as a kid? When they'd be listening to music and Tori would say, Mom, don't you hear the orchestra? Don't you hear the strings? And her mom would be like, no, what are you talking about? As if there was always some kind of arranging or composing going on in Tori's head. That's a great quote. Let's play that here.
6: Before she ever even went to school, we spent so much time at home, she and I, playing and I've always loved music. We've always had so much music in our house. And, uh, well, tell them you had a record collection, because you worked oh, at a yes. record store. I, I, worked, I worked at a record yeah. store growing up as a teenager. Oh, you did? Oh, yes, <laughs> I worked in a record store. And she would say, she would say, Mother, how do you like those drums? You hear those drums? And here she was at the piano. Or how do you like the, that brass? And I'd say, I don't hear any of them. <laughs> And she would look at me like, well, oh, Mother, you're the dumbest person in the world. And I said to her, I think that's one of the times then that I began to realize she has a special right. gift that she's hearing music in her head that I'm not hearing at
2: all. I would love to know when she's just composing at piano and has the skeleton of a song that she ultimately sees as having a string arrangement, if she really is hearing her own version of that arrangement before she hands it over to Jean Chanal. And if so, how much what he comes back with is different from what she was hearing. Yeah, I suspect that She does hear it in her
0: head. And I suspect that Phil Chennault is able to translate it pretty consistently and accurately towards Mm -hmm. what she's hearing Mm -hmm. because they've worked together for so long and that they've found sort of like this
2: kindred spirit amongst themselves. So that's my guess. Yeah. It sounds to me like she gives him free reign. Like she doesn't direct him or give him like a melody to sort of work with to do a fuller arrangement. She just gives him the song and lets him do Mm -hmm. his magic. So yeah. One of the few people that she has the utmost trust in, I would say. Exactly, like
0: collaborative partner that she's continued to trust through the years, yeah. Yeah, for sure. This is from the Times Metro, April 11th, 1998, again before the album. And how does it feel to be married? There is a pause so long that I think she has forgotten that I'm here with her. I think I'm still in shock. I'm trying to be honest with you, and yet... It transpires that Tori
2: is scared of what may happen to a woman when she marries. I hired a physical trainer this week. I start tomorrow. I don't want to just, like, get married and then become a blob. I really... You see, I didn't get married because I didn't have anything to do. I really looked at this man and thought, this person is incredibly unique, and I don't want to be with anybody else. This man, this person she laughs i'm trying not to say his name i know you know it but it feels more private you know if i don't say it i wanted the wedding to be real private just our friends but family is tricky it's like the fucking waltons my family they'll all show up like critters crawling out from under the appalachian mountains and be at your door with a banjo her father however did give her away i thought about it and if i'd got married in front of a judge well that wouldn't have meant anything to me and sure I could have got married in the middle of the mountains and all the other nature spirits could have been there. But in the end, I tried to find a place that was very sacred. This place was an ancient site since the Bronze Age and a pagan one before it was a church. And the vicar honored that. After all that trauma, you know, Mark said, hey, we're in this together. And we thought about it. And he he asked me. And I just, I went, I just looked and it felt like, yes, this is my dear friend. I love how she's like, I'm not
0: going to say his name. And then at the end, she's like, Mark said, (laughs) oh, sorry, I forgot. Whatever. We all know. sounds beautiful and you know I've never thought I was gonna get married I still haven't gotten married so thought accurate but I understand the idea of wanting one thing or thinking one thing and then it just kind of presents itself to you and then you realize like oh wow this might be something that I actually want I think because of her religious background and religious upbringing realizing that she didn't need a church to ordain or to sanction her love like that's you know she was very rebellious so I can absolutely hear her saying that you know around a coffee table and some like dingy apartment when she's like 21 I can imagine her like saying that I don't
2: need anybody to sanction my love I'm never getting married yeah not only that but I can imagine her really valuing her independence and never wanting to be tethered to someone in that kind of way From the Boston
0: Globe, April 28th, 1998. Getting married was not something in my line of vision. And then I was in an airport contemplating all these things in my head. And I saw this little paperback book about Jackie. I picked it up and got on the plane. And I turned to the picture section. And it was her wedding day. And she was in her bridal dress. And I wondered if I could have just one second of her elegance. Right then and there on the plane, I started writing Jackie's Strength. Really mm. Really beautiful. I love hearing the origin of the inspiration for the songs. Exactly what she was doing when the song just came to her. She doesn't always chart it, and she doesn't always tell us, but when she
2: does, it's really lovely. Yeah, and a lot of times it's just that she happens to glance over and see the cover of a book, and she's like, that's it, Fair Motor Maids of Japan, Jackie O. Exactly. I got it. Hey, Jackie O. Yeah. Let's play this from
0: cfny april 28th 1998 with a special thanks to lisa ridlon for finding it converting it uploading it and sending it all in the span of like 10 minutes the high priestess of bootlegs
3: in terms of of specific songs you mentioned the miscarriage and i think that that's touched upon in spark but tell me about the song jackie's strength where does that come from i mean it seems obviously part of his, you know the kennedy years in camelot and but there's more than that i mean there's there's a teenage girl caught in there somewhere too yeah there's a girl that um
1: had a fantasy about a wedding I think when she was really young and then just ditched it I mean that wasn't going to be her then she finds it's her wedding day and she finds that she's getting lost she's uh... doesn't really know if she's ready to do that and she looks back at her whole life everything that ever happened to her to get her to that place um... and she'd seen a picture of Jackie on her wedding day and knows that she's not handling it quite so well um and that whole the the way that i really got inspired to write it is i had a um a book of jackie and um i turned to a picture of her in her wedding dress and then i turned the page and jfk was getting shot it's that famous picture of them in the car and just one page, you know, you're dealing with the birth of the bride and then the death of her love, or the death of a of a union. And I was sort of dealing with, from the miscarriage to then being a bride myself, a bit backwards, but anyway, that's the way it was. This cyclical, um, constant turning of the seasons and the life wheel, and, um, You know, it's so out of our hands sometimes, things that get put on our plate. There's a death, or there's a birth, or there's a love that walks in your life, and you're like, oh, but I don't want to fall in love right now because I'm already supposed to be in love with somebody else. You know, it just doesn't get wrapped up in this tiny, neat package. And I started to be so, um, a new appreciation for the life force came out of losing the baby. I really began to to see how fragile life is. And you and I don't know how long we're gonna be here. I mean, I'd like to think I'm 80 years old and still rocking in my boots, and you come and interview me and we have a margarita and we do it, but we don't know. Um, And this record was really, it wasn't what I thought it was gonna be. Um, But the rhythm made me wanna really wake up every morning.
2: That really makes me appreciate where this song sits on the album amongst the other songs. And kind of like you were saying, and going back to that last quote we read when she talks about that shared trauma with Mark, that really did seem to bring them closer together because they were the only two people going through that who could understand it. So I think that, you know, not only strengthened their relationship, but sort of changed her mind about marriage and how she felt about committing to someone in that way. Do you remember that appearance on Rosie O'Donnell when Tori's talking about getting married and how Mark proposed to her? I do remember.
7: Congratulations on getting married. Thank you. You're welcome. Tori got married. <laughs> now, I remember you telling me that you didn't think you'd ever get married. Never. No. No, never. Surprise. Big surprise. Yeah. I dropped my teacup. He asked me, and uh, I thought we were just going to have tea. He's British, so, you know, they do that sort of thing. Yes. And we were sitting there having it, And he asked me, he said, I want to know, oh, he doesn't want me to talk, but he said, um, I want to know what you're going to be like going down to the garden when you're 80. What a sweet thing to say. And is that right when you dropped it right there? I dropped it. Yeah. And did you think, well, would you like to be there seeing it, or are you just wondering, you know? Did did that cross your mind? Because I'm so insecure, I'd be like, well, maybe he doesn't mean with me. Maybe he's just (laughs) wondering in general how people age, you know? Yeah, but then he said, I want, you to, I want you to be my wife. I mean, oh, my wife, wow. Then I dropped it. Now, are you able to say that when you referred to him, my husband, does that come naturally to you? or my husband. Yeah, yeah. I, does it? I call him, yeah. Husband, yeah. hi, it's me. <laughs> Tori. <laughs> yeah. Did you get to go on a honeymoon? not wasn't, wasn't um, really a honeymoon because we kept getting interrupted. By so, work stuff? By work, because yeah. the record was just about, we were just finishing it and um, everybody started calling because... They needed approvals and stuff, right? And at a certain point, it was just about, oh my God, we were really intruded on. Yeah. So you're gonna get time, I hope, to take another one, sometime soon. Yeah, he says that, uh, like every day we get a day off. He would say, hmm. Cashing in on the no honeymoon. <laughs> so
0: that's- well, that's kind of sweet.
2: I loved that. Me too. Let that give us all hope. I hope we all find someone who wants to know us when we're 80 years old, strolling down to the garden or to the 7-Eleven. Nobody wants to know me when I'm 80. I'm going to be so
0: crotchety. I know. I'm going to be like, get out of my way. I got to go record Troubles Lament.
2: <laughs> you swear we'll be in Troubles Lament by the time we're 80. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's read this quote from Rolling Stone. You want to read it? Okay, this is from Rolling Stone, June, 1998. The songs just grab me by the throat sometimes and say, we're coming in. I saw Jackie as a bride and I used to think I would never be a bride. I started to look at Jackie and how that woman held the country together after she watched her husband get cut down right in front of her. Just
0: sort of supporting what the song, the inspiration for the song and the idea behind the song a little bit. And when, as we go through it, and especially definitely when we get to the line by line, I want to make sure that we're paying attention to what the relation is or the correlation is to Jackie, why she's comparing her needing the strength to the strength of Jackie, because it's not just about... You know this woman saw her husband get mowed down but it's also like she went through the most brutal thing that you can imagine and she went through it so publicly but she still held the grace and the elegance to mourn publicly and to lead publicly and really kind of united the nation in her own strength. Because while you were mourning, you could look to her and see that she was holding it together, that she wasn't falling apart too. So we got to remember that as, and, and let's look into it a little bit when we get to the line by line. But why don't you go ahead and read this one from Alternative Press, July
2: 1998. This wonderful boy had asked me to marry him, and of course I said yes, but I was shocked. You know, there was a part of me that had sworn that would never happen. You fantasize about what it would be like on that day, and then you fantasize about never having that day. Then you're a vigilante and you will never have it. Then, all of a sudden, there it is, and you're wondering, are we going to make it? Half of all marriages end in divorce. Is that us? That was all going on as I got lost on my wedding day. Yeah, it's like you think you're one kind of person. You think that you believe one thing.
0: You know, I hear her when she says that. There was a part of me that had sworn that would never happen. And then she becomes a vigilante about it. That will never happen. And then suddenly it happens. And you're like, okay, well, I said what I said. (laughs) So uh, here I am. This is from a chat on Yahoo, August 8th, 1998. Tori says... I knew I was getting married, and all those feelings were coming in, sort of flashbacks of your life. So when I saw this tiny book on Jackie's life at a bookstore in an airport, I just picked it up. And when I saw the picture of her as a bride, and then turned the page and saw the picture of her when JFK got shot, it really spoke to me about how fast your life can change at the turn of a page. I really didn't know how I was going to react on my wedding day when I wrote this song. A part of me could see myself getting lost, going to a 7-Eleven and having a Slurpee all day. The song is about a girl getting lost on her wedding day. I happen to show up at the church for mine in real life, but a 7-Eleven did cross my mind. Mm. A 7-Eleven always crosses my mind.
2: And usually we go there. (laughs) It's not just a fantasy. Nope. Dreams come true. Is that really getting lost or is that getting found? And how big is that slurpee if you're literally there drinking it all day? She strikes me as a slow slurper. Do you think she actually uses the little spoon at the bottom of the straw and eats it one teeny tiny bite at a time? (laughs) That certainly would take all day.
0: Yeah, you're right. It really would. Why don't you read this from the New Orleans Times, October 9th, 1998. And this is the night before she performed in New Orleans.
2: She, Jackie Onassis Kennedy, had a kind of grace and inner strength that few people have. More than anything, it was her sense of grace, which I didn't think I would have as I was coming nearer to my wedding day. A part of me really wanted to do it. Another part of me could see myself in flashback to my whole life having said I would never do it, because I would never go in front of church and state and do such a thing. In the end, it didn't become about that. It became about, this is somebody that I love. A part of me could see myself in this wedding dress sitting at 7-Eleven on the curb, having a Slurpee and missing the whole thing. Not because I wanted to, but just because I'm still frozen in a piece of film somewhere when I was 18, and that was my outlook on life. So, Jackie Strength was written about the girl that went to the 7-Eleven. I went and got married. It's a pretty sacred day and yet it can go so horribly wrong. Mine went right, but I think because I wrote the song. I let my alter ego go exist and live and be in the song, so she didn't have to do it in front of anybody else. That's where songs come in handy. You don't pretend that this side doesn't exist, so it doesn't have to become so vulgar in 3D. That's amazing. She got it out. She got it into song. Her alter ego is at the
0: 7-Eleven. And so she then can go through with her own wedding. Yeah, right? She's like explored that side. It's like sliding doors. You get to see like both sides of what happens if you do and do not go through with the wedding.
2: Absolutely. And you know, that reminds me, Tori has referenced the book Owning Your Own Shadow by Robert Jordan several times. And I read it quite a long time ago and actually used it as the basis for a paper that I wrote in college. You know, those were the days when you're like, give me a reason to pull in Tori somehow. Oh, my God. Yes. I tried to incorporate her into every essay yeah but there was a section that specifically mentioned the idea of shadow vows the idea that you know you take like the kind of typical vows that everyone takes in front of the church but there's a part of your personality that may not be capable of upholding those or like a part of your ego that might have other ideas so to speak and i feel like that's what tori is exploring here that she let The version of herself that would stand up her husband at the altar kind of play out in fantasy here. Well said. I agree. So the part of her that would be inclined to do that was sort of acknowledged. um, Yeah, exactly. And not ignored. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: So all that was press around the time of the release of the album. And this is about a year later from December 3rd, 1998. Let's play this from the FNX AIDS Benefit.
8: I wanted to ask about, uh, and I know it's one of the songs you wanted to do tonight. And I hope I don't get it out of order, but uh, I wanted to ask about uh, Jackie's strength. How did that song come about? Is that as, as personal to you as it sounds? Or,
0: or, I mean, is that is she really a source of inspiration for you, Jackie?
1: My mother is, and my mother loved Jackie. It's just one of those things. Um, I think that they're born in the same year or something, so she really identified with her in the little hat and everything. My mother had one of those. Going to church as a minister's wife, she would have her Jackie O look, and I thought that was really cool. I had a cool mom, and um, when I was getting married, I remember my mother saying to me that when she heard that um, the president had been shot, she had to put me down because her heart stopped and she thought about, oh my God, who's going to make Jackie a cup of tea today? And I think she wanted to be there. As so many women did want to be there for Jackie.
0: So now we're taking it a little out of Tori's personal experience with her wedding and into a main thread of the song. Americana and the time of Jackie Onassis Kennedy, the birth of celebrity culture. For the first time, you're seeing these beautiful people, JFK and his wife, a style icon on television for the very first time. And then suddenly, President Kennedy being shot. That quote right here about how her mother felt that day laid me on the front lawn. And you have to imagine that there's probably, there's probably no filter Uh, you know, between how these people feel about the president and his wife, because it's the first time that television is really bringing them into the home. And you probably feel very, very close to them. So I can understand how Tori's mother would react that way. And in that way, it's sort of a substitution for her mother, because she's always said that Jackie was her mother's go-to gal, you know, so it's really kind of about her mother in that way.
2: I could be totally wrong about this, but I feel like as a nation, we weren't as fractured at that point mm-hmm. as we are mm-hmm. now and that really everyone was shaken by that and sort of rallied around the First Lady. I like to think that too and I'd like to believe it. I hope it's true. I know. And this makes it clear that this is one of those crystal clear autobiographical moments in Tori's songs where there's a memory of her mother actually putting her down to catch her breath and word for word, that's pretty much what we get in the lyrics. Right. This is from The Biz on CNN, November 12th, 2003. So
0: several years later, she's asked, now a musical autobiography is how you've described the CD.
2: And they're talking, of course, about Tales of a Librarian. In what way is it an autobiography? We decided to choose songs that cover this woman's life that we call Tori in a factual way. The fact that she was born in 1963, three months to the day that JFK was shot. So we included Jackie's Strength. We included songs about her religious upbringing, her dad being a Methodist minister, and the fact that she worked in Washington, D.C., playing lounge piano for congressmen, and maybe their rent boys and their wives sometimes if you got lucky. So we included what shaped this woman as a composer, and I thought it was good fun. This is all good fun. Good fun. Precious things. Whoa. I feel like Tori has, you know, kind of, sort of always referred to herself in third person, but this is when she really started leaning into that and referred to herself like a character almost that she was very separated from and that there was sort Mm -hmm. of this persona of the musician or the composer, very separate from the woman, if you will. so Exactly, like, yeah. because
0: you can even go back as far as changing her name and describing what it's like to be Tori, that the woman herself is confident, that Tori is confident. So it must be interesting to inhabit an identity that maybe is a little separated from yourself for yeah. so long and then try to remind people like, oh, that's not who I am entirely like I'm a whole other person and she did lean in heavily to that here in this era and since really.
2: Do you think much like the song itself and the video where she's exploring kind of alternate timelines or you know how one's life could take a different direction if you explored a different path or made a different choice do you think looking at this quote that she really considers tori in quotes to be a different person with kind of a different history than tori the woman because that's what it sounds like that she really at this point almost sees that as a character and even though they're clearly the same, that she doesn't consider them quite the same, it's very strange to me. This is what we need Paul mm. Roy. It's funny because
0: her Tori, quote unquote Tori, her history follows i guess myra ellen's history like they were both born in 1963 she's not describing some strange history so it's not alarming it's not like we decided to chronicle tory's life she's a black woman from the 1800s so it's not like this tory person has a completely
2: separate identity what i wouldn't give for that to be the case (laughs) we have no idea what tory's next concept album is going to be so it's possible are
9: there pieces of her we still haven't seen oh my god posted to Really Deep Thoughts, August 17th, 1998, by Happy Fantom. Hello again! I saw the JS video last night on 120 Minutes, Although the song is a big radio hit in Detroit. I've heard it on four different stations! I don't think the video will be a big hit, mainly because 120 Minutes debuted in the middle of the show, which usually means it isn't that big of a deal. Well, Tori videos are never really popular anyways. Spark probably got the most play, or God considering it was a buzz clip, even though I personally only saw it three or four times. The JS video was really good though. It was really sad. The ending almost made me cry, but I was way too tired. The endings of these Quirrell videos seem to have a, such a larger impact than all the endings of her other videos. I wonder if she'll do a Playboy Mommy video if that is going to be the fourth single. Toriness, Happy Phantom.
6: Do you find
7: it
1: hard to like bear yourselves in, in front of the world? I mean, you're so. Uh open. What's weird about it, you know, this is a choice, so I'm not complaining, because I made this choice. I write songs that aren't, they're not just about me, but they're set off usually by different experiences I've had at that time. And then the songs come to me, and they're like multi-layered. And some are characters that I've observed walking down the street. You know, they take on a life of their own. They're not just about every single detail um, in my life at that time, but there's obviously an element. And so, yeah, I feel like I'm open about, um, I feel like they're Polaroids of a time, the songs or pictures. And my process is, is sitting right there on that CD disc What gets difficult sometimes is trying i'm always trying to weasel out of explaining them because it's not appropriate to explain them but i'm trying to also not shut people out of the experiences that might have inspired some of the work so it's a tricky it's tricky to walk that edge it's an edge do you think uh, people should find their own explanation i really want them to i mean And I think the songs want that. Uh, The songs really don't want me to impose um, a definitive interpretation, although, like I said before, sometimes I'll say, well, you know, um, I picked up a paperback book on Jackie Kennedy, Jackie Bouvier Kennedy, and yes, I had known I was getting married, and this tale started to spin out of seeing a picture of her in her wedding dress and then I turned the page and I saw a picture of her in the car with JFK that day, the day he was shot and seeing the birth of a bride you know that lovely moment in that picture and then the death of her love no matter what their circumstances were, what was going on in their marriage that cyclical birth death rebirth life death um circle was what was um coming up for me and yet the song then takes off from there and it becomes many 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 different stories to different people
5: What was your
2: very first thought when you heard this line for the very first time? I wonder if initially it was just instrumental and she was like, no, it needs something. How about a little hey, Mm, hey, mm, mm, yeah, yeah, that's it. I don't know. She loves a hey.
0: Yeah. I was not so into it the first time I was listening to it. It felt a little weird and I couldn't say, I knew she was saying, hey, Jackie, uh," but it sounded like she's saying, get jiggy, uh, (laughs) getting jiggy with it was like all the rage at the time. Of course. Topping the charts hmm But why do you think this is here? To me, it's like an invocation of like, you know, she's going to be asking Jackie for her strength throughout this song. And it's kind of like the meditation before moving forward into like for opening the
2: door into the story of the song. Yeah, or like she's talking to her and Tori loves to talk about visitations from ghosts or spectral figures. but. Aside from mentioning the book that sort of inspired the song, she certainly never goes so far as to say, you know, Jackie Kennedy visited me that night and brought me this song. But there's still like a little bit of an initiating a dialogue happening here. I don't know. Yeah, so exactly. And it's calling
0: to her for that grace that she talked about, you know, calling to her for that. There's something about it now that I really love and it places her in a very specific place. I can't tell you where but it places
2: her at the threshold of whatever the story is going to bring. Mm. I don't know why, but there's something about the way she's, she's very breathy on the album and the way she sort of exhales, Hey, home, it's, it sounds very young. So this is probably, mm. a, this is probably a reach, but even that kind of places it in time, you know, right after the assassination happened with a young Tori. I don't know. No, that makes sense.
5: Movie mm. mm.
2: So obviously she's talking about Jackie O here. And do we think she's relating to her um, in terms of having her name changed and possibly feeling like she's losing a little piece of her identity or at least feeling it shift and change form by becoming the Mrs. to someone? Yeah, definitely. I think obviously the theme of identity changing
0: or name changing, but also this kind of succinctly wraps up her entire life a Bouvier till her wedding day and then instantly the next line changes everything
5: out, the police came.
0: these two snapshots back to back it's like she had this one identity and then suddenly like it's back to that quote of like the birth of the bride and the death of the love how it can just turn in an instant having these two lines like that back to back I think is really striking
2: yeah
5: out, the police came
2: we're talking about the assassination of JFK here. And I don't want to necessarily say that she's comparing the two things, but again, like what a sea change in one's life that can be, that sense of loss, but also your life taking an unexpected direction when you had sort of told yourself the story about never wanting to get married or never thinking you would get married and sort of right. processing what a departure that is, I guess.
5: Mama laid me on the front lawn and prayed
0: this goes back to you know straight out of her life totally autobiographical this actually happened being able to track this to the quote that her mother said to her about needing to catch her breath who's going to take care of jackie
2: and literally laying young toddler tory down on the front lawn because she didn't have the strength Mm -hmm. to hold her in that moment Mm -hmm. it must be a profound sense of loss to lose someone that you have
0: such respect for that you've never met Right. Mm. To have that f- kind of blow to the chest, especially a president, especially a leader.
2: Again, I could be wrong. And maybe I'm sort of romanticizing a past that never actually existed, as we all have a tendency to do, even when we live through it. But I feel like at that point in time, everyone did sort of rally around the supposed leader of the country. And like we said earlier in the show that the country was less fractured at that point so maybe like the sort of seismic impact of that was even stronger than we have any frame of reference for i don't know if that's true or not but i don't think people not that we'd ever be prepared for something like the assassination of a president but i would i'd have to imagine at that time that people were less jaded and less exposed to the amount of violence that we are at this point so maybe was even more shocking if that's possible yeah I think this whole verse sets up the reason that this verse is here and the
0: reason it begins this way, I think, is that it's starting at Tori's very young life. The song obviously takes her up to her wedding day and beyond even, but we're starting at the beginning, and this is kind of what the country's going through or what the the background is of her life at this yeah. moment, you know, the setting.
2: Yeah, this is for just a snapshot of the world into which Tori was actually born, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Which becomes clear because the next verse, is. it seems to be about, not at all about Jackie.
0: Feeling old.
2: That certainly makes me think of the way Tori would talk about, you know, being sort of ejected from the Peabody, the Peabody at age 11 and feeling like her life was over and that she was a failure. I feel like she sort of went through several cycles of that where she was on to the next thing and sort of always reaching for that success and falling short of it by her own standards or someone else's and feeling old beyond her years in terms of all she'd experienced, but also that she'd sort of missed the boat already somehow. And here she is at 21, maybe not where she wants to be, and she's also decided that she's either they're not going to ever get married or doesn't want to so feeling old by 21 having a heart attack by 23 yeah <laughs> never thought
0: my day would come. this is why we've talked about earlier about how Tori's rebellious and she you know she would always say like i never i'm never gonna get married i don't need the church to sanction my union but this is written in such a way that leads me to believe or betrays like a a wish that she wanted her day to come and the way she phrases it never thought my day would come yeah doesn't imply that she didn't want it to
2: right along the same lines as every day is my wedding day but baby's still in his comatose state right yeah it's almost yeah. like you think you can't have it so you get defensive and you tell yourself that story like well i don't need that i don't need to get I married don't want or i don't need the church to I sanction don't... it or whatever it is yeah for sure
0: The way I look at this is, like, every wedding is a party, right? And the bridesmaids always, like, get lucky (laughs) at the party. (laughs) Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. And also never getting laid, if you ask me. It's also her bridesmaids, you know? Like, she gets the bridesmaids instead of being the bridesmaid. Yeah. She gets to have the bridesmaid.
2: I also feel like that that's kind of an acknowledgement that things aren't always the way that you imagine them to be. It's never quite the fairy tale, right? There's something a little sorted, not in a bad way, but kind of going on behind the scenes here. Like on your wedding day, your bridesmaid's in the the broom closet having a quickie Mm -hmm. or something like Mm -hmm. that.
0: What do you take this to mean? I pray for Jackie's strength to get through it, to get through the wedding day. There's a
2: clear narrative that she's talked about in the quotes Yeah, I can almost see that as her right before she walks down the aisle, taking that deep breath. Like, I'm going to go through with this and I never thought this Mm. would happen. But here I am on the brink of this moment that's going to change my life forever, one way or another. Yeah, Yeah. I like that. Being at the aisle right before the doors open. Mm -hmm. Taking that breath. On Edison's arm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Make me laugh.
5: Say you know what you want.
2: That line always makes me laugh, I have to say. And I know that's not the way that she intends it, but it seems so, like, demanding. Make me laugh. Dazzle me. (laughs) Sit here with my arms crossed. But no, I know that's not what she means. I take that line to be, like, wedding vows. Like, you know, when you
0: are speaking your vows to the other person, like, I hope that for always, you make me laugh and that you say you know what you want. Um, Or you just, like, are honest with me. I take that as things that she's looking for in her life with a forever partner. It's interesting that we place Tori at the end of the aisle with I pray for Jackie's strength and now she's walked down the aisle, in my mind, and mm. she's saying, make me laugh, say you know what you want. You
3: we
2: to me, the whole chorus is really kind of written to Mark about mm-hmm. mark and she's talked about mm-hmm. how the trauma that they went through together you know really strengthened their relationship and brought them together so i think this is kind of outlining all the things that he was or is to her maybe he was the one who was able to make her laugh he sort of single-handedly transformed her idea of what a relationship could be or a lifelong commitment could be and made her the real thing so to speak or their relationship became the real thing in that moment, mm-hmm. I hear him saying to her the real thing. You know, the way the lines written it kind of clues
0: into like that's a phrase
2: that he used, maybe. Uh huh. The real thing. Yeah. Do you get the, that sense? I do. This could very well be one of those moments that we pinpoint um, from song to song where there's something that almost seems ripped from a conversation or a dialogue that she actually had. So I could mm-hmm. see that being true in this case for sure. <laughs> So if he tells her they're the real thing and
0: if he's really making her trust in him and really showing himself this line, so I show you some more, is because she's starting to open up and she's starting to feel that it is the real thing.
2: Yeah. And that's indicative of any relationship, really, where you're sort of tiptoeing at first and gradually you become more comfortable or you let your guard down and you're willing to be vulnerable and you reveal yourself more and more. And maybe depending on what your experience is, maybe you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, is this the moment where they're going to see me and reject me maybe or decide that they don't want to take this any further and you just keep opening and opening? That's kind of what I feel like is happening here.
5: And I love- Magic can do. what's this
0: line about black magic is he using black magic on her or maybe she's feeling that she's suddenly and entirely consumed by her love for him and that's just like happened out of nowhere black magic
2: I like that. And maybe because it's so unlike anything she's experienced before, she's comparing it to or likening it to a kind of black magic. And I think that's interesting because if anyone was going to be a practitioner of black magic in a song or otherwise, I would think it would be Tori. But it definitely sounds like something that's directed at her. (laughs) So... But maybe that's a relief for her. She's like, God, I'm always the one who's, you know, weaving my secret spell. Right. <laughs> and I can sit back and let someone else do it. Well, to further confuse us, here's a little piece from the audio
0: commentary of the video where she talks about the woman, the woman with the sweater uh, in the video. I think that she's
1: seeing people that had all these ideas about who they were going to be. Even the guy that she's marrying i mean she's known him that's her high school sweetheart Um, black magic girl she went to school with her there's a story there there are things that have gone down and she's reliving this
0: there's a rumor that make me laugh that this whole verse started as a part of Hotel. I know that the two songs were very intrinsically linked. They began as one song, and thematically we talked about like they are very similar. They're both about not showing up to your wedding or what happens right before your wedding or in that space prior to getting married. They sound very different, but there is, there's an old interview where I think she mentions that make me laugh is the part that she excised from hotel. So Mm -hmm. if anybody out there knows it, please, like if you can find it,
2: please let us know. I have a vague memory of it. We'll find it months from now. This is another instance of that donut song experience we had where she's talking about the bridge and we couldn't find it Mm -hmm. (laughs) until months later, but it'll show up. There's no, there's no way we share that memory without it being based on something for sure. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) but that just getting back to the hotel connection, that totally makes sense to me. Again, sort of being on the brink of this huge change in your life, getting married. I kind of feel like that's how these two songs are linked, kind of looking back fondly on past relationships. Or people who are still very special to you? I don't know necessarily that I agree with the looking back fondly
0: attribution to this particular song. It doesn't seem, it seems like she's looking back with much anxiety in certain ways. Like she doesn't show up to the wedding. It doesn't seem like it's because there's other fond things that she's doing, but that she's maybe, to me, it's, it feels like she's, the character in the song is like, can't decide. She, <laughs> the idea of giving herself away to someone specifically,
2: but that comes more later in the song. I agree with that. I think I was talking more about hotel and I, even in that case, maybe fondly is a strong word, but people who are still of value to you.
5: Me into
0: the this sort of reminds me of mother, just the way it's phrased. Say, you know, you can turn me into the real thing. Mm-hmm. He's going to change my name. It's She's in a very passive role in both lines, both instances. And I think they're both about marriage. Say, you know, you can turn me into the real thing. You can turn me into the real thing. Not that she's going to actively turn herself into the real thing. Or, and I'm not judging it. It's just the way that the marriage institution works. You take the name of the other person and, and you become the bride.
2: Yeah. And, you know... I kind of, for whatever reason, always take it back to this place when nudged in that direction. But um, this makes me think of all those times when she's talked about, you know, the end of the Under the Pink Tour, when she only felt alive when she was on stage as the musician and all of that stuff. And clearly that was true, even though she was in a relationship at that point. Um, a very substantial relationship. And then she went through everything she went through with that breakup and boys for Pele. And here she is having gone through that in another relationship, one would have to assume a totally different kind of relationship. So to me, this is almost like an act of surrender or vulnerability that has nothing to do with giving your power away, but being self-assured enough and confident enough in who you are to let someone else in and sort of go forward as a couple and, and, that's how I read. You can turn me into the real thing by becoming my husband, maybe, or whatever that is. That doesn't mean that I'm losing part of myself at this point, because I've sort of already been through that. Now I'm at a point where we're two whole people becoming something else together. I like the
0: idea of him and his love making her feel complete. And now she is the real thing, like a complete person, not just a real woman, you know, which I is my take on the line initially, which is you can turn me into the real thing like a real bride. Um, but I prefer your interpretation, which is, uh, it seems to me that it's, you can make me a complete person and I can feel
2: when I'm not just when I'm behind a piano. Now I can actually feel things in my real life. Yeah. She's taking it on the road. Cause you can go through that journey of self-discovery, but you really sort of test or clarify who you are when you're in relationship with someone else and that right. doesn't that doesn't mean of course just a romantic relationship any kind of relationship friendship or otherwise when you're pushing each other's buttons or or whatever that is it's all theoretical so you're kind of bouncing it off someone else so i kind of feel like that's what's happening here
5: Stickers
2: It seems like we're
0: working into the past and very specific references to her own life. And as you enter, as you embark on this huge new journey or a huge new chapter of your life, a big brand new step, It's natural, I think, to look backwards and look and see all the things that led you up to here, and and have those. It's like seeing your life race before your
2: eyes, you know. And that's what this verse does to me. Mm, mm. Yeah, we're definitely sort of leapfrogging back and forth in time here, from the past to the present. I would say stickers licked on lunchboxes. What does that mean? Were they doing acid in like sixth grade? I don't know. You used to lick stickers. (laughs) Like stickers didn't used to be sticky with glue on the back. You'd have Uh, to lick them like a stamp and put them places. Sorry, I guess that would be in reverse order anyway, because. is the gateway drug right so you wouldn't go from acid to pot for heaven's sake
0: my aunt used to be obsessed with David Cassidy, rest in peace. But my aunt used to be obsessed with him. She loved him. And she finally met him at a charity golf event in like 2005 mm-hmm. in Las Vegas. And she has a picture of them together. And she looks like the happiest she's ever looked in her entire life. Aww. And I'm like, what does this man have? What hold, what voodoo does this man have? What hold does he have on these women across America of a certain age? Black magic. I guess so. So she wasn't disappointed. No, 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 no. I guess he was really lovely. Good.
5: Yeah.
0: So I guess she showed her butt. Like she is that like a real moon? She mooned him. Yeah.
2: I don't know how else we but can so interpret
0: she, that. But she's mooning the picture on
2: the lunchbox. Yeah. That's what I always so picture. Weird. It is very weird. And I remember a forum post from years and years ago where someone was discussing this line, and they took it even a step further. They're like, "Whenever I hear that, I imagine like Tori sitting on a lunchbox with her bare butt cheeks pressing him up against <laughs> David Cassidy." I'm like, well, that's vivid. <laughs> For like eight-year-old butt cheeks. like, Yeah. Ah. yeah.
0: <laughs> that sounds fun though. But my favorite moment in this line is that Donna just is still in
2: recovery. She still can't get over. What she did. I know. Donna. <laughs> I can't uh. believe you did that to David Cassidy on my lunch box If anyone was going to be that scandalized by something like that, it would be Donna for sure. It would be Donna. Uh. God, Donna.
5: Sleepovers, beans, get some
0: now, obviously, we've fast forwarded a little bit because Bean is not from childhood necessarily. Bean is from her LA years, but still from her youth, you know? But they were She's still young, having 20... slumber
2: parties, I guess. Sleepovers, and obviously, beans brought some saucepans to cook some pasta. yeah do you think beanie always fell asleep first and tori put her bra on the freezer no or put her hand in warm water it seems to me like they both passed out together
0: completely high okay that should be the tagline for los angeles so yeah This tells me she's in LA now.
2: This is one of those lines where I'm not sure Tori had ever been quite this literal before at any time in the past in prior songs, because this lands with like a thud, which isn't necessarily a criticism, but you're only popular with anorexia, you know, that's, she's, Putting it all out there. There's no confusion over what that means. What do you mean, lands with a thud? I mean, I'm not sure she'd ever said anything that heavy handed before in a song. I feel like she would have written that lyric. I think she would have been less literal about it. She would have found another way to say it rather than you're only popular with anorexia. I think in
0: this way, it's a precursor to Glory of the 80s. Like she's just kind
2: of listing stream of consciously her thoughts on the era. Mm. I say that jokingly,
0: but kind of.
2: <laughs> yeah. And because, you know, we've sort of placed this moment in time as the L- years Beanie is there. She was really trying to make it in the music industry. We think that's sort of indicative of the Waikīkī era and everything that was expected of her, everything she was trying to be with a certain image. And it's not like you're getting you're getting key images from her life, right?
0: The images that you're getting from Tori's life begin with her mother laying her down on the front lawn and then a time when she was a child licking stickers on lunchboxes and being a rabble rouser and mischievous mooner to David Cassidy. So that obviously has some importance and some weight. Then you're here with sleeping over at Bean's house and smoking weed. She's kind of growing up too, you know? You see her growing up. Mm. And you're only popular with anorexia then tells me, because we've only seen key moments from her life, tells me that this was a huge weight on her, a huge marker in her life, like mm. those years, and like not being good enough for some reason, or not being quite what they're looking for.
2: And can I just say I really appreciate the alliteration of the mischievous mooner?
0: Oh, thanks. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the consonants of popular, pop-ular. anorexia. You feel like Wicked ripped her off with Pop Euler? Yeah. (laughs) Totally. That's so, I don't know, emblematic of late teen years or early 20s, maybe, when, uh, again, not to make light of anything, but where, you know, you're scribbling in your journal or everything seems like a cry for help of some kind yeah. but you're not really speaking up about it and also like she's turning herself inside out trying to
0: make the music career happen and hope someone will see do you read this as she's hoping someone will see her turn herself inside out and save her or she's hoping someone will see her i can take it both ways
3: yeah make me laugh
5: so you know what you
0: Takes us back to the present. I think the chorus is the present and as we're going back to the past in the verses.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: And so to me, this is like a moment of truth. So because it's like the point of no return, it's almost as if like that's when the mantra comes back. It's like when I need it the most. Jackie, uh, Jackie, uh.
5: I got lost on my wedding day.
0: So it's very literal as far as the quotes that she's saying, like, this is the girl who doesn't make it to the wedding, right? It's not even, there's no, there's no metaphor here. It's like, I literally got lost. I did not make it.
2: Yeah. And this is interesting to me again, kind of back to back with Raspberry Swirl, where both of these songs involve a degree of sort of fantasy that she's Mm -hmm. allowing to play out. And maybe Mm -hmm. we've seen that, in other songs in the past But she hasn't spoken about them In quite mm-hmm. the same way The only other example And I'm sure there are others But what springs to mind immediately Is Little Amsterdam Where mm, yeah. there's, you know Her personal experience Funneled through storytelling Not quite right. the same thing But kind of Because there's, you know That fantasy of the woman Who's capable of pulling the trigger Or whatever that is That she's allowing to play out And here she's exploring The side of herself That doesn't show up at the wedding So I feel like typical really is sort of part of the preceding line and that she's being kind of self-deprecating, almost like I always do this or my sort of telling myself that I was never going to have the fairy tale becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy somehow. Yeah, like typical of me. Yeah, That's so me in some ways, you know, maybe I always like to point the finger, but I'm really kind of self-sabotaging most of the time and it's no one's fault mm-hmm. but my own. So the
1: police came.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure why the police showed up because she went missing. <laughs> Did they call the, yeah. call the police to go looking for her. Yeah, obviously she got herself into some trouble. Maybe. Yeah.
5: Oh, but virgins always get no matter what they
2: How do you take that? She talks about her grandmother and how much she respected virgins and how much she sort of idolized and put virgins on a pedestal. And Tori, according to her, was always more interested in becoming a quote unquote, real woman. So I feel like that's sort of taking down that image of the virgin or how, you know, in our culture, we kind of um, have that expectation that a woman keep her virginity. We used to anyway until she's married and that was kind of upheld as the standard. And to me this is Tori kind of rolling her eyes like, oh those virgins, they always get XYZ because they're somehow more valued or I don't know. What do you think? I don't know why this line is here. It's a stumper for me. Interesting too because obviously Tori has been and is the gatekeeper of a backstage area. Do you think that that's a factor at all it would be easy to say that yeah it is but for some reason
0: i just don't think this has anything to do with her touring life i don't either i have to imagine that she's lost on her wedding day in a white wedding dress running around town and that has something to do with virgins always get backstage no matter what they've got to say the fact of the line is or like the underlying truth of the line is that if you think about rock stars like virgins Innocent girls always get backstage no matter what they've got to say, right? They they will get back there.
2: Yeah, I was going to say that, but, too. This makes me think of groupies. Groupies, for sure. Yeah, being ushered Band-aids. backstage. Band-aids. Exactly. Yep, I was going to say almost famous, too. And that there's, you know, some sort of element or thread here of those girls being taken advantage of by mm-hmm. the, the rock dudes or whoever it is. Robert Plant, maybe, for all we know. I just don't know why
0: this line comes here. So she's lost on her wedding day. The police are looking for her, and she's hiding, maybe. She's hiding with a a rock band. She's hiding with another guy.
2: Hmm. And maybe
0: there's something there.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Again, playing out this element of fantasy and this is the girl who never went through with the wedding. Maybe she just ran off and uh, became a groupie and followed a band around. I mean, she ran off and pursued her wild side, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's
0: what that means. It's totally a stumper. It's always been a stumper why it falls here and what it means in terms of the song because I, or in terms of the narrative of where she's going with the song about this girl who's left her wedding or hasn't shown up to her wedding. There have been times, of course, where... People in the crowd always scream or like everybody wants to get backstage and this has been sort of like a, a wink during tour. Whenever she sings this line, people always like kinda
2: cheer. Have you right, noticed? Right, like there are any virgins in that crowd. Yeah, right. If you
5: love a lot, you lie a lot.
0: Now this to me probably is the reason I just can't get over this line. This to me (laughs) up until this point is my least favorite line in Tori and probably for many years after this, my least favorite line in Tori's catalog. I know that to to be true.
2: And so I was waiting for it. It's that clumsy rhyme. You just can't. I hate it.
0: In my mind, I've made up this narrative that she hates it. And that's why she breezes over it. Because she doesn't say, if you love enough, you'll lie a lot. And hold on it. She's like instantly rolls over it. Guess they did in Camelot.
2: Mom is waiting on like, just don't listen to that part. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, I know she waits. Waves her hands when she sings Camelot, yeah. too. Like, look over here. Look over here. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know Camelot is how they refer to the, the Kennedys and like that whole, that family and that time. And I get it. And I get that she wanted to use, I mean, it's a great image. Camelot is a great image and it must be in this song. I would I would be so angry if the word Camelot was not in the song. If she's singing about Jackie kennedy right but don't rhyme camelot with a lot rhyme it with something else yeah can
2: we even call that a rhyme so much as using
0: the same word twice (laughs) right camelot a lot lot. i hate it i hate it (laughs) And it's not just with Tori. It's like when Madonna sang, "I want to singy, singy, singy like a bird on a wingy, wingy, wingy." It just to me makes me my stomach turn. Yeah. Well, (laughs) but I'll forgive Tori because it's a beautiful song, right? And I believe it or not, I'm being very passionate about it because I'm pulling from years
2: of thought. But I don't care so much anymore. (laughs) It's fine. What would have been better? If you lie a lot, you will get caught. Guess they did in Camelot. <laughs> I don't know what the solution is. I'm just presenting the problem. <laughs> As we often <laughs> That's my do, job.
0: solve your own problems. <laughs> we'll just point them out for you. But you know, if this is the worst line she's ever written, then we should be so lucky to write. A worst line like this. I mean, the whole song is great.
2: Well, no one said this was the worst line she's ever written. Well, how do you feel about that? Leaving, you know, that clumsy rhyme out of the equation. How do you feel about if you love enough, you'll lie a lot? That sentiment. Like, what does that mean? That sometimes to be in a relationship, you have to look the other way, or yeah. maybe not reveal all of your feelings all of the time. And is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Is that just the way it is? What do you make of that? I don't think it's a bad thing i don't think it's a good thing i think it's the way it is if you care about
0: somebody enough if you love enough then you'll care about their feelings and you might not reveal all the details mm-hmm. you might not if you care about them enough and i agree with that if you love enough you lie a lot yeah. little white lies yeah i get it you might not tell them
5: yeah
0: This to me makes the song cyclical because it starts here and it ends here. Mm -hmm. We've gone full circle. Mama's waiting on the front lawn now as she's going to her wedding. (laughs) On the day that she's got lost on her wedding, Mama's back on the front lawn praying. Everybody's praying for her to come back. Everybody's praying for this to happen. Everybody's praying for the strength to go forward, right?
2: Yeah, and to me, mama waiting on the front lawn is kind of maybe a sense of home, even. Like, Mm -hmm. if I decide not to get married and walk down the aisle, I can always go home, maybe. That there's that piece of me still waiting.
0: Yeah, and there's almost narratively that link where it's like the police have come, they're looking for her, and she's gone back to her parents' house and she's not going to make it to the altar, and her mother's there waiting for her, and they just pray. And I like the repetition of the word pray. I pray, I pray, I pray. It's like a mantra, or like she really needs that strength and it's not
2: coming easy. It is, and the music builds at that point, and it's really like yeah. an inv- invocation. Like she's mm-hmm. actually calling on that strength in that moment. <laughs>
0: I know that she's talked about this is about the girl who doesn't make it to the wedding, her alter ego that doesn't make it to the wedding. But here to me, ending on a chorus and I show you some more and I learn tells me she does make it to the wedding. Yeah. <laughs> like that's where we end. She, She's back to me in the wedding vows at the altar, ready to get married.
2: I would agree with that. I feel like both things are happening simultaneously. Like she's exploring both timelines, the version of herself that kind of fractured off and didn't show up at the wedding, but she's also actually processing her very real life experience in the song. Mm -hmm. So, And to me, that also is like a moment in time
0: which i love when you blink and a million hours happen within that blink of an eye like it seems like she's walking you know the very first i pray for jackie's strength where we she's taking the deep breath as the doors open for her to walk down the aisle and then the first chorus, make me laugh, say, so you know what you want. And then all of a sudden, like, her whole life is flashing before her mm-hmm. eyes. The past, the Donna's box, the Beanie's pot, getting lost on her wedding day, the police coming, running off with a rock band, watching herself grow old. If you love enough, you'll lie a lot. That's kind of like a, a future projection. Guess they did not Camel. I don't know. There's something about, like, being old. Like, if you love enough, you'll lie a lot in the future. I don't know. There's something about an, a seasoned relationship in that line. And then now... I pray, I pray, I pray for Jackie's strength. And then she's back at the altar. And it's like, she's opened her eyes and she's still here. Yeah, I like that
2: yeah i i like that too and i agree with you that she's looking out into the future and again calling on that strength because in that moment she's aware of how much it's going to take to maintain a relationship ideally through the rest of your life and that there are going to be storms that come and difficult times that you have to weather together and that it's not always going to be easy and um as you were talking too as we as we walk through these songs i'm becoming more and more aware of the thread that she um, peppers throughout most of these songs the idea of how much one's life can change in an instant for better or worse. We have How Many Fates Turn Around in the Overtime, Shock Me Sane, and now here we are again on the brink of change um, and how quickly Mm -hmm. things can change with a gunshot or a vow, I guess. So that was really present for her, clearly. What's your favorite lyric? my favorite lyric i'm gonna to have to go with you said we were the real thing so i show you some more and i learn what black magic can do um again that idea of sort of surrender and vulnerability in relationship that doesn't mean you're losing a piece of yourself but trusting someone else enough with your heart and to open up to them and to evolve into an expression of something new together um that's what that all kind of encapsulates to me how about you
0: I think I would select as my favorite lyric. So I turn myself inside out and hope someone will see. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. That's really, I don't know. I like that image. Um, I know it's not really consequential in the bigger picture of the song. It's just like one snapshot of her past. Mm-hmm. And I really like the phrasing. So I turn yeah. myself inside out.
2: And I like when she sings it. So I turn myself inside out.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little
2: Southern accent kind of creeps in there, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is a desperately sad line, really. And the way that it's sort of just dropped there, almost like it aside, makes it even more so, I think.
0: Yeah, it is really sad. And then how it kind of goes from that despair to make me laugh. You kind of get context why that's the most important thing to her. You know, why finding someone with a sense of humor who can make her laugh is the most important thing. If you look at the second verse as like reflections ever passed and it begins with her mooning David Cassidy on Donna's box, she's like a little, you know, spitfire. She's mischievous. She's, you know, she's fun. She's laughing. Mm-hmm. But then you she moves to LA and you're only popular with anorexia and she turns herself inside out. Like she's really not, like she's looking for that purity again too that make me laugh. I don't know. Mm. Uh, Just because I've always looked at that as vows, it seems to me like she's asking for someone with a sense of humor. And that's the most important thing is to always make me laugh. Mm.
2: You know, now that you say that, I also um, remember her saying on several occasions that Mark and later on Tosh can always make her laugh in a way that other people couldn't. And that there was a period of her life where she wasn't finding a lot of humor in anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was probably never more true than um, after... Um, the trauma of a miscarriage and any number of other things that she was going through at this point so that's another another way maybe that that relationship kind of saved her or at least pulled her out of herself at that point
0: i'd also like to take it back to the line but virgins always get backstage no matter what they've got to say and i want to put a pin in it because i've got a link from that line into hotel um Ah. i feel like the entirety of the song hotel exists in those two lines like if you were to i'm reading it on a page i'm right now i'm currently reading it in a document that's like a word document if those two lines that are one on top of the other were to like split open like the gates of like a castle then hotel is in between those lines and then they shut back down and we go back into Jackie
2: strength i can't wait for that so put a pin in that ladies gentlemen and david All right. Well, obviously you're going to be our tour guide through that castle because hotel is your number Uh, one. So I can take you through every hotel room in America. All right. (laughs) Good evening, America. Your room is ready.
9: (laughs) Posted to Really Deep Thoughts, August 18th, 1998, by Happy Phantom. Hello again. Yesterday I wrote a little bit about the new JS video. Well, I had only seen it once, and it was 1 a.m., and I was extremely tired, so my comments probably read something like a kindergartner's journal. Like, I liked it. It was sad. I had fun. Well, when I went home yesterday, I popped it back into the VCR to watch it. I mean, really watch it. And I just have to say, that really is one of the most powerful videos I have ever seen. I totally missed the whole point of it the first time I saw it. I've always liked J.S. but I appreciate and understand it a whole lot more now. My favorite part in the video is when the younger Tori sings at Tori during the Hey Jackie Yeah, Hey Jackie yeah part. And then it focuses on her face when she gets to strength. And then it focuses on the necklace with Jackie's pick in it. And then Tori takes off her veil. That is such a touching part. Whoa, that was a one big run-on sentence. Oh, well. Well, I also noticed that they blurbed out that Beanie's got some pot line. Now it sounds like Beanie's got some paw. Pretty silly. Oh, I'm curious. Does anyone know who plays Tori's groom in the video? He looks vaguely familiar. You know, these new videos, I have one thing to say about him. Tori is one hell of an actress. I mean, she's good in all her other videos, but to me, it seems like she was just being herself with the exception of Hey Jupiter. Now she takes on different roles, whether it be a kidnapped victim struggling to survive or a woman who gets lost on her wedding day. I never knew she was such a good actress. The scene in the Spark video where she realizes that the freaky village of the damned kids aren't going to help her when she gets that confused, what the fuck look on her face? Uh, oh, that is so awesome. Tori kicks ass. Okay, I'm going to stop now because I'm getting all excited and I do not have time for a Tory video marathon tonight. Hehe. <laughs> ness happy phantom.
2: Eve, what's your favorite vocal moment in Jackie's strength? I guess, like, even
0: though it's a really deeply disturbing line... I like how it pops. You're only popular. I don't know. I like how it pops. Mm-hmm. Is that my favorite vocal moment? No. Maybe what black magic can do. Ooh. I don't know. The whole thing is really husky. The whole the whole song exists in her lower range, right? She's not really exploring the upper range. And I love that. Mm-hmm. You know, And it's really real. That makes it real. And I just love the quality of her voice on this track. It's very robust. It's very clear.
2: I like that. So I'm going to pick the whole song. Okay. (laughs) You weaseled your way out of another one by choosing the Mm. entire song. I'll allow it. And you. You know, this isn't a very showy song vocally at all. It's subtle, I would say. So I'm going to have to go with that sort of last go round of the chorus at the end where she kind of subtly changes the inflection. Yeah, um, And that. to me, that's just enough to indicate that we're sort of in the present on the brink of that moment. And this is kind of like you said, the version of herself that does show up to me mm-hmm. just the even way that she says it's the version who's not showing up right but we got you tori we got your number um <laughs> to me just the subtlety of that shift is enough to communicate that to me and i love that so i guess if i were to be forced into a corner and have to pick one i like no man i want the no man i want the go yeah yeah she's almost curling her lip with right. like annoyance and it comes through in the way she sings <laughs> it even though we can't see her right yeah yeah <laughs> Should we explore Yanta's wonderful cover? Yes, we should. I could almost hear this intro being birthed from her cover of I'm on Fire. I could kind of noodling around with the intro of that and sort of spinning off into what became Jackie. They're sort of similar to me. The playing and the melody here are really pure and beautiful. And I think that's what I respond to in the demo that we talked about earlier. I just love being able to hear kind of the composer um, and the player underneath all the production I think this is just a really beautiful song
0: there's there's a lushness to it Say
3: you know what you know.
2: Is a gorgeous chorus isn't it and it's sweeping i would say and um you know we can indulge a little tori speak here when she talks about sonic architecture and building a space with songs i can almost you know picture us in this space and you turn a corner and there's this ballroom i wasn't expecting <laughs> when we hit the chorus this kind of sweeping majestic space i don't know yeah there's like those bass notes that end the
0: chorus that make it really just a thing it's a mm-hmm. thing
2: Correct me if I'm wrong, did she mention that this is the only album track that she cut solo? the way she would have in the past without Matt that he added his piece after the fact yeah she did say that Mm -hmm. we read that quote in the primer I think yeah do we think this was one of the last songs if not the last song written for the album why given when she got married
0: No, I think, I mean, I don't see it that way, but maybe I don't think she, um, I think she knew she was going to get married Mm. long before she got married and maybe she was able to go through with planning the wedding because she'd already let her alter ego out to explore.
2: Oh, you're probably right. Um, and you hear it musically too with the i pray i pray and there's almost like an exhalation here i love the nuances
0: of her playing that you can't ever hear because they're buried under vocals and other instrumentation in this case strings but yanta really pulls them out in a really remarkable way yeah We're so lucky to have these covers. So lucky, and I love each and every one of them, for sure. So, of course, follow Yanta, support Yanta at patreon.com slash Yanta. He's nearly completed all of the Tori Amos catalog. I think he's gone into some live tracks. But go patreon.com slash Yanta and
2: support him now. Does it make you feel a little bit better to know that Yanta is going back to perfect and recondition, if you will? Um, some of his prior instrumental performances the same way we are with Little Earthquakes. Well, it's funny because when I talk to Paul
0: Roy, Paul Roy's like, I don't understand what he's fixing because it sounds perfect to me both times. (laughs)
2: um, What's your favorite musical moment? Yeah, I do think it's that kind of building and that invocation of I pray, I pray for Jackie's strength. And then there's like a crest that really is the climax of the song and the tide Mm -hmm. sort of washes over you there with that third that third chorus and it sort of shifts Mm -hmm. there. I think that's really, I'll say subtle, but also powerful or powerful in its subtlety. How about you? What's your favorite musical moment? I think my favorite musical moment is the chorus, the first
0: chorus, all choruses. And I agree that it kind of has that power in that third chorus and that variation. But the first chorus I think is where it really breaks free um, with that, those bass notes at the end. It's like, Whoa, where did this song just go? Mm -hmm. And it invites the string arrangement that, phil Chenal came up with it invites yes. that entirely it, mm-hmm. it, i can see phil channell in his studio like listening to the song for the first time and like scribbling madly uh, the song opens up so beautifully yeah so now let's hear from paul roy I I remember being in my teen years, and Jackie's
9: strength was like number one on my local radio station for really. Yeah, where they, did you live? Detroit. Okay, like, <laughs> it's a market. Detroit's a good market. So they did this
0: battle. So it was always like they played one song against another song, and then the song
9: that won got played again the next night with another song, and it was like 30 days that Jackie's strength was what? the winner. Yeah, and I think the production has a lot to do with that.
2: Also, the fact that you were calling on speed dial repeatedly right? <laughs> to ask them to play uh,
9: it. Well, they didn't have caller ID back then. So, so
2: yeah. <laughs> I kept that song on the charts.
0: <laughs> this is a cover of Jackie's Strength by the Parenthetical Girls.
4: A till her wedding day Shots rang out The police came Mama laid me out On the front lawn And prayed for Jackie strength Feeling old by 21 I never thought my day would come My bandmates getting ready I pray for Jackie's strength Make me laugh, say you know.
0: We have David Furman, celebrated conductor, musical director, composer, and arranger. He's here with us today to talk about his time working with Tori on the track Jackie's Strength. Hi, David. Hi there. How are you?
10: I'm very well. Well, I'm, no, I'm very well. We're surrounded, as you know, by COVID, but we're all keeping safe here. I'm hoping Good. that we'll get through it.
0: Good. Glad to hear it. Um, First of all, I'm seeing here on your wiki page, first of all, you have a wiki page, and second, I'm seeing that you conducted original West End productions of Jesus Christ Superstar, Evita, and my favorite, Phantom of the Opera, and you also did... Uh, world premiere performances of Frozen Live in concert. Uh, Can you please tell our listeners how you discovered your own musical talent and how you decided to pursue music as a career?
10: Sort of by accident. Um, I learned to play the piano quite early on um, when I was seven or eight and I enjoyed doing it but I come from a very humble background and it was never thought you could make a a living doing music so it was something that I enjoyed enjoyed doing as a sideline and I went to music college on a Saturday. I, during school days when I was working well, I was at school Monday to Friday I'd go to a conservatoire farm on, on a Saturday still just as a, a hobby just as something that I enjoyed doing. And that really went through The first two years of university, I went to Cambridge University, and the degree there is split, you do a three-year course, and the degree is split between the first two years with one subject, and then you can change subject after the two years. So I read English for the first two years and changed to music in the last year, and it was that change to music, that was when I... I realised at the end of two years at university, English I enjoy, and I could be a teacher, and my parents would be very happy with that, But I thought, actually, music is my passion. So that's when I I decided
0: to be a musician. Great. You pursued your passion. Yes. So it's 1998. It's 22 years ago. Where are you in your career when you begin working on Jackie's Strength? Can you lead us up to the moment
10: of the recording? Sure. Um, The call came through, actually, the leads of the Symphony of London, who Uh, The little orchestra that came to record Jackie Strength, Um, the organiser, the manager of that orchestra, a fellow called Peter Wilson, who I knew well and I'd worked with him many times. And he said, you know, um, would you like to come down to I think she's listed, Torres, that that she lives in Cornwall. I remember we went out to Devon. They're both um, counties in the extreme west of uh, the southwest of uh, England. And my memory is that we all went down by train and were met and were taken to what seemed to us like a a sort of farmhouse or a a farm estate um, in the middle of the country, which was, you know, and into this, um, almost a living room. um, And and that's where we were going to record. And I I must tell you actually, I must tell your listeners that the most important thing that I can remember, it was how lovely it was, how lovely Torrey was, how we were made so very welcome how we were treated with enormous, well, it sounds a bit old-fashioned, but respect. Um, And that is not always the case in show business. I mean, we are providing a service. we are being paid for that service. And so it's it's not unknown for people to just be wheeled in and uh, say, right, do it, go away again. No, we were made to feel uh, at home. And we were given lunch. It was a wonderful um, hand-cooked lunch of all sorts of lovely vegetarian things in the midst of the sessions. So I've got very happy memories of it.
0: That's so great to hear. So you were among the first people to record in the new Martian studios when they were building it. They had just completed it when they, this is the first thing they recorded in the studios.
10: Um, was it? I mean, you're probably, you're telling me things that I don't know. I mean, <laughs> what I do know is that the engineer was absolutely lovely. I think he, my memory is that he hasn't done so much of the, the, the recording of, you know, strings and orchestras, if you like. Um, and was very keen to pick up any tips that we might have, or, to, or any suggestions, or whatever. And he and Tori seemed very close, and I understood later they got married. So, yeah, you know, it, yeah, <laughs> very happy. <you> know.
0: <laughs> so that's great to hear. So, um, how welcome you felt, and how just how it went. How hands on was she during the session, and how hands on was Phil?
10: Phil was quite hands on, as you'd expect. And um, Phil was there, and. Uh, what happens is, I mean, it was a, quite a small room, so we all fitted. There was enough room, but there wasn't enough room for you know, lots of people in the studio other than the people who were actually performing. So that's the, you know, the string players and me, but the rest of the, the rest of the guy, Tori um, and Phil and uh, and all that were in a booth round the corner. And Phil would come in. He listen to it. The first thing that happens, obviously, is that you play it down. You mm-hmm. play it just by itself, and Phil says, yeah, that's great, and know about this, and says, could you bring that through, and those sort of things. And then you then off he goes, and you run it with the track, and he'll be hearing stuff that you're only half hearing. You know, you, your job is to, my job, is to deliver Phil's writing for the strings mm-hmm. as clearly and as beautifully as I possibly can right, right. and his job along with Tory, is to say, is it doing what she and we want the whole tax right. to do and do we want to make a, any amendments and all that sort of thing, you know? Great, how
0: long was the session?
10: Um, well, we were there all day, I mean, you know, it was quite a few years ago but my guess would be that we probably arrived there about 11 in the morning and we probably left about 4 or 5 that sort of time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because by train, it's I was think three hours, maybe a bit more than that, from London to that neck of the woods, and then you've got another you know, 20 minutes or so in a bus or a van or whatever to go actually to the house.
0: Mm-hmm. That, sounds so, that sounds lovely. It sounds like a lovely day.
10: It was. Believe me, it was. I mean, that's the thing that I remember most clearly. I could, you know, <laughs> we're all of a great age, at least I've celebrated, and what one tends to remember are the very happy days have a really irritating day yeah. <laughs> and then there's lots of grey days between those two yeah. and with Torrey it was a very very happy day we all went home on the train feeling valued and feeling that we contributed and those things are things that that's what we're here to do. That's what, well, mm-hmm. that's what everybody's here to do, but that's what musicians are here to do. Mm-hmm. They're here to express themselves and bring imagination and lift something and, and contribute something. And in this instance, we felt we had, and it had been recognized, and we, we went home happy.
0: That's so great to hear. You did bring incredible value to the album as a whole. It's the only song on the album with strings, and so right. it really stands out. It's a beautiful track. Have you listened to the song recently?
10: Yeah, I, I put it on yesterday and it's really lovely and, and the lyrics are really interesting because I mean, of course when we're recording we're not really hearing the lyrics but they're way back in the mix do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because at the moment of recording the concentration is on our contribution right. um, and so you don't really hear the whole thing until much later I, just, I listened to it yesterday I thought, oh, it's it's really lovely and the lyrics are so interesting mm-hmm. she's a very, very clever and individual an idiomatic writer. Mm -hmm. I've got great respect for her.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a great song, and I think the strings contribute so much. They have this driving rhythm. They contribute this energy to the song that it's great. Yes, yes.
10: And the thing is that strings are often used, as you know, to just be a carpet, to just be a warm, wet blanket around things. Right. And to actually give the song energy but not overwhelm it, and to give it tenderness but also energy I mean those are skills and and that's, that's a tribute of time to it to fill
0: well said David thank you David so much for sharing your insights and your reflections
10: with us today it was lovely not at all it was a very happy memory for me good luck with it great thank you
0: of course that's just a small part of a longer interview to hear the whole interview head over to patreon.com songs of Amos, where you'll have immediate access to that and a whole lot of other interviews. Hi, Michael. We're excited to have you back. We're almost at the halfway point. Yeah, fuck. What about Jackie's strength gives you the most strength?
11: Jackie Strings is a particular kind of writing, not just writing from Tori, but uh, just kind of writing in general, which I respect a lot, in which the historical is made personal, that we kind of make history into this kind of metaphor for personal experience. I think mean, like, in a song like this, it adds not only like a lot of color and texture, but really has some intellectual heft behind it.
0: What three words would you use to describe how this song makes you
11: feel? Um, Nostalgic. Humble. Wise. If you were getting married
0: today, where would your alter ego be waiting
11: for you? I guess I think in Iceland. Alone.
0: Who in your life do you look to for the greatest strength?
11: I find it in my sister.
0: If you were the first lady, what would your first national initiative be?
11: Um, Make it illegal to profit off of energy. Ban oil. I'd be really militant about it. Like, I'd be kind of, I'd be kind of, like, crazy. Does the White House have a balcony? Like, I'd want to be on the balcony kind of shouting about plastics in, like, a really snatched look.
0: What's your favorite flavor of Slurpee? I've never had one. Did you hear about my first husband?
11: No, never met him.
0: Yeah, we were happy for 27 years, and then we met. (laughs) That sounds about right. I went to the past two. Would you rather be a bridesmaid getting laid, or a virgin going backstage?
11: (laughs) I think, I mean, yeah, I'm gonna be the uh, bridesmaid getting laid, you know? I don't need that baggage.
0: Where is the best place in the whole wide world to roll around in
11: a wedding dress? Oh, I think it has to be on kind of your childhood front lawn to to tie it to the song in some distant way.
0: (laughs) Who is your style icon and how?
11: My style icon... It's really Bjork. She's never won the same thing twice, and is always changing. And I think this kind of current iteration with masks is uh, spectacular. Um, she's also, of course, just like work. She really has the best eye in designers, that she knows kind of who to be working with at any time, whether this was McQueen in the late 90s or today. Iris Ben then does a lot of her dresses, and it's just uh, stunning. Where can people find you on Twitter? On Twitter, Michael
0: Carley. Thanks, Michael. We'll talk to you for IIE. <laughs>
11: okay. Thanks. Can't wait. Yay.
1: I think that the casting of this was key. This is where James Brown, the director, really crawled into every line of the song, and he wanted to bring the story of the song to life. The idea that this woman, let's call her Tori, that you see in this video, is getting lost on her wedding day.
0: From TV Gen online chat, August 5th, 1998. Do you want to
2: read what Tori had to say about the video? I'm really happy with the videos for the new record. I spent a lot of time with the directors talking about the songs themselves, and then I let the directors take the ball and run with it. James Brown directed Spark and Jackie Strength. Jackie Strength is just being released now as we speak. It will be available on an enhanced CD coming out in the stores in a couple of weeks, and you should be able to see it on the box in a couple of weeks. Jackie's strength is in black and white, and it's me on my wedding day getting lost. So it's kind of a parallel to my life, if that makes any sense. I'm in the back of a taxi in my wedding dress, not able to quite go through with it. I pass the boy I'm supposed to marry at the church, and I hide in the back of the cab like a wimp. 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 But you can see I'm torn because my whole life is flashing in front of me. And I run into myself as a 13-year-old girl, which took a lot of hair and makeup. And that 13-year-old girl is reminding me that we had a dream. And the characters, the bride and the taxi, forgot. Even though I think she loves this boy, she didn't follow her heart. You know, she never took that trip to Australia. She never took that art class. She never followed up on her dreams and she just can't get married and close the blinds. So it's very emotional this video because she does love him, I believe that. It's interesting
0: to hear this quote and see her putting herself in the literal shoes of the girl who doesn't make it to the wedding Mm. and living that possibility because I think that she's very happy probably in her relationship and thinking like there was a part of her that might not have let herself be this happy or make it to the wedding. It's interesting to just see her walk through that. From Aquarian Weekly, September 30th, 1998. They ask, Jackie's strength is the current single. Is there a video? And she says, yeah, I'm really proud of this one. It's in black and white, and I'm in the back of a taxi in my wedding dress. Basically, I'm standing him up at the altar because my character just can't go through with it. Jackie's strength to me is tragic because it's two people who really do love each other. It's not that you don't love enough, but you're dying inside. I think more than anything, she really gets that she's a fantasy of who he wants her to be. And she knows she's never going to be it. She can't be what his fantasy is. I think a lot of men have that problem, Aquarian Weekly says to her. And she says, I think a lot of women have that problem, too. Yeah, but I think a lot of men have a dream girl in their mind, and then they take a woman and try to mold her into that image. To which Tori responds, Then they hate it when they realize that she has insecurities, and maybe she is needy in certain areas, and it just becomes a big turnoff. So they move on to the next one. They have this idea of what their goddess is, instead of understanding that they have frailties. Everyone does if you get to know them.
2: You know, if you really get to know them. That's interesting, because there's kind of a little bit of a parallel to Playboy Mommy happening here. And in both cases, she can't live up to the fantasy of what someone else wants her to be, or that's the way she feels anyway. In one case, it's um, a daughter, and in another, it's the husband-to-be. So she's clearly working something out here that, I don't know, at the end of the day, even after Pele, there are still moments when Tori feels like she's not enough somehow, or that she can't be everything to everyone and meet their expectations, so... This was from
0: a posting on RMTA by Marcus Lambert, also about the video, and he says, I almost died this morning. My grandma in England, I moved to the U.S. in 1993, don't get it twisted, apparently just found out that I like Tori Amos, and she told my sister that they had received the letter earlier in the year, telling them a production crew would be coming to film Jackie's Strength video on their street. The street is called Dyke Drive, and is located in Caln, Wiltshire. Anyway, apparently, Tori thought the street looked like the typical American street. They parked American cars and such in the driveways, etc. I knew the houses looked familiar. I can't believe I didn't notice this before. I mean, I grew up on this street. The housing establishment is called Curzon Park, and mostly older people live there. I just wonder how Tori found out about it. Callan is quite a small town and the streets even smaller. I mean, how coincidental is this? I wish I had been there. Tori filming her video on the street I grew up on and I thought it was boring. Oh, the shame. I shall never live this down. My sister said that my grandma had no idea who Tori Amos was. Can you believe it? So she didn't take any pictures. Sob.
2: Sob. Thanks for nothing, Grandma. Yeah, I love this because, you know, any other production when they're shooting in a neighborhood, you might get a notice something posted, not here. They're like, this is a Tori Amos video. It is called Jackie (laughs) Strength. Tori's call time is 7 a.m. If you want to meet her. No, in L.A., they at least I don't know about Calen Wiltshire, but in L.A., they post
0: exactly what's filming. (laughs) So it's part of the law. So should we bring in our special guest? Yes. He's been sitting here waiting patiently for us to acknowledge him. Hi, Douglas. Hey. Hi, Douglas. How's it going? Welcome to our show. Douglas is a supporter and friend, friend for many years, and a supporter of our podcast. And he's listed Jackie's strength as his favorite video. Mm. Tell us more, Douglas. <laughs> um, it's such a beautiful video. I I mean, she's beautiful in all the
12: videos, but I mean, the whole black and white thing helps at me. It it's just. well-made video it's not that the other ones aren't great this one just kind of
0: stands out before we interview james brown the director of douglas's favorite video we're going to do a commentary track on it just so that we're all on the same page before we get to james (laughs) sound good (laughs) sounds great this is from tori stories which is her take on the videos it was a promo booklet from 1998 when the then the vhs came out right david yep i believe so Uh uh-huh She says, sometimes I fall into the videos like a haven, a welcome escape from my real life character and the dynamics that surround her, quote unquote. (laughs) Another (laughs) instance of distancing herself from Tori. Yeah. (laughs) Jackie was one of those times where I could put whatever somewhere. I could ride around in this taxi for hours as a pickup truck with a camera on the back of it followed and followed me as a truant bride. The mythic references for brides are endless. James again was at the helm with Miss Karen Always Near. Since Under the Pink, Karen has worked with all the directors on casting, which is a reflection of the music. Jackie was in the on-location shoot as was Spark, Jupiter, Tallulah, God, Pass the Mission, China. I always have a picnic hidden in one of my bags. Back to Jackie. I love how she gets distracted. She's like writing this <laughs> Back to Jackie. <laughs> Did what we're somebody here say about. picnic? <laughs> this video was tricky because it was close to the bone, having only been married for two and a half months. Karen and I would talk about how she, the girl in Jackie, the bride, and Jackie was a parallel on some plane somewhere who had made different choices in her life. A medicine woman told me once that alternative dimensions existed where a different you, a different me, play out choices we could have made. The girl in Jackie is an artist of some kind, but it ain't never gonna happen to Miss Karen as she and I went back and forth over this alternate reality we rebuilt my life with the help of LL fondly called double L who was referenced in that book, the top 100 psychics. <laughs> anyway, Anyway, with LL's help, i rebuilt her psyche. (laughs) I should say my psyche. We know what she ate. I knew she drew with pastels. I knew I was never going to make it to the church that day. It's not that she didn't love him. They've been together since they were kids. Pour me some more wine, Karen. It's just about a promise she had made to herself a long time ago. When James called me for the 17th time that day... 17th time... (laughs) This is going off the rails. Maybe get your
2: thoughts together and just make the one call.
0: When James called me for the 17th time that day and said, I've got it. As you go through your old neighborhood interspersed with president past, you finally run into young Tory. We started to talk about casting, and Karen convinced us, with the help of Leslie, of course, that we could pull off young Tori. Having to face my younger self was pretty wild, her position being very clear. We had a vision you've become numb. We may never succeed, but you never even tried. So the answer is no. I don't know if she ever eventually marries her childhood love, but she doesn't that day. That's from the little book that she hand wrote everything, right? That little
12: yeah, collectible book. So yeah. She wrote all that. She got by distracted.
3: <laughs>
0: right. She must have been cramping up after that. Right. Have you ever written a letter, Douglas, and just had it go tangential? Oh my god. You don't even know. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just received a four page letter front and back from Douglas. Front and back.
3: It was a lot. It
0: was great. It was a good letter. Okay, let's watch this video and let's let's we'll think our thoughts out loud. How about that? If you were a thought, you would want me to think
2: you. And I will. <laughs> Karen was like, hang on, I'm going to blow your mind. What if Tori plays Tori? You're welcome. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, the truth of the matter
0: is they were looking for other people to play Tori. Mm. And then finally it was like, just play yourself. Yeah. I think that yeah. Was, like, the moment of the video I love the most actually is like her
12: coming on her younger self. And like, so in, like, 1998, like, yeah, there were special effects, but it seemed, like, so crazy that she was finding mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. as her. I don't know. I, that's just.
0: And it like, was like, Tori, no, 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 we can get you, we can make you look young again. Just curl some bangs. We'll do some <laughs> bangs. We're going to throw you in some raggy jeans and, like... Right. <laughs> yeah. Barefoot. Yeah. Young kids are always barefoot. <laughs> All right. Everybody out there, we're going to press play on the YouTube video in... Th- we're going to say three, two, one, play. Here we go. Three, two, one, play. Ah, that footage is amazing. Oh. It just really highlights on how Jackie was such
12: a fashion icon and an icon for, like, a lot of people of that time.
2: And I think it blends pretty seamlessly with the footage they shot. Mm-hmm they did do a good job with that makeup. Tori looks really young there. She does look a, like a little young Tori if you remember the pictures of her at the piano. From all these years. Yeah, no, that really does yeah. look like her.
12: I wondered if it was like one of her nieces that they just put in there, but I doubt it. It's probably just someone else. I love the Americana neighborhood that they picked for this.
0: It's very reminiscent of like where she would have grown up and been a child. I think that represents the for her, for Tori in her life, that must represent the, like Washington men, and their that she would play to in the piano bars, you know. Mm-hmm.
12: Well, it kind of looks like Donald Trump,
0: so. <laughs> yeah. First of all, she looks gorgeous, and I love the way she's like hiding out in
2: that car. Yeah. It's all about the lips. She's not messing around with that veil. I can tell you that. There's that tattoo of the groom that then comes back later.
12: So one thing about this video you'll pick up on is that doors are a big thing. Like, the lady right now is trying to open up the door.
2: And on the flip side, you have there the groom jumping out a window. Is he rubbing the Triumph's engine right then? (laughs) Yeah, he's he's definitely a Mark Stand-In, right? With the hair pulled back in the ponytail and the motorcycle and everything. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think she looks so great in this
0: video. I think the black and white really just is wonderful for her hair and her makeup and that veil. And I don't know, there's something great about her look here. It's totally iconic.
12: Yeah, that veil is all up over her face. I hadn't seen that before. And here comes another door scene.
2: And interesting that thread of teenage pregnancy, right? Which isn't necessarily present in the lyrics of the song, but we have to imagine they're definitely pulling that from someplace.
5: So,
12: with that, then you also have their people
0: are either inside their houses looking out the windows. Oh, yeah. It feels almost like the whole town is waiting for her to get to that wedding. Yeah.
2: Right? Yeah. It's like they're all kind of watching her go by.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and we had that shot of the steering wheel with the man with the part of his finger missing from the spark video. He's driving driving the taxi. Yeah,
12: that's really cool that she was able to bring that character actor back into this
2: what do you make of that motif of all the doors do we think that has to do with kind of making different choices and different doors opening and closing depending on what you decide to do yeah i think so because she's talked about
12: this being how she promised to her younger self that she would do something like travel or just have a particular journey in life and those things are kind of out of reach but at the same time they're not and that's kind of what she's here at the end when she opens up the door of the car and runs out i think that that's kind of showing that that is still
5: accessible
12: you think like she did the barefoot running <laughs> or do they have a stand-in doing the no, barefoot that was running
0: definitely her. i recognize those ankles from raspberry swirl
12: there's also the locket too that they just showed again and they'd shown it
0: earlier yeah the locket that the husband like ran out of the room and she was wearing the locket mm-hmm. the young tory was and now uh, the young tory gives old tory the locket or older tory yeah which is like obviously a symbolism of strength because it's got jackie's picture in it yeah right but the veil flies away which means she never gets to the church that day like i don't need this today <laughs> let's get another <laughs> one tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> who would play jackie's strength in the movie of from the quagra hotel Julianne Moore. She's classy.
12: It's. I think the red hair kind of pulls it in, too. She's always got that mm.
2: very classic red hair look. Who do you think, David? I'm going to go with Lisa Kudrow, <laughs> because she would have gone off and become an eccentric um, sort of bohemian artist, like Elisa Lisa Kudrow.
12: <laughs> I like that.
0: What about you, Eve? Natasha Lyonne. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I can see her in a wedding dress, sipping a Slurpee on a curb at 7-Eleven. Like the edges of the wedding dress kind of dirtied by the
2: pavement. I love yeah. that. I think that's perfect, actually. And she has that kind of husky, world-weary wisdom. That deep voice. <laughs> yeah
0: okay let's get director james brown on the line to talk about the video all right thanks douglas <laughs> thanks douglas bye hi james it's good to talk to you again how have you been since we last spoke any major changes
13: in your life uh not many not many no <laughs> uh, I'm still plugging away how's the flu slightly better thanks <laughs> slightly better moments better My better, but still hanging around. (laughs) Um, (laughs) James, it's so rare that
0: Tori works with a director twice. In fact, you are the first director she worked with multiple times since Cindy Palmano, who directed her first four videos. She had not worked with anybody multiple times until you. So obviously you two had a connection. And last time you were on our show, you mentioned um, that you had never felt closer to an artist than you felt to Tori, like working with an artist. Can you speak a little bit about how you developed the idea to do another video together? Were you just so in love with each other at the time? You're like, we must work together.
13: Um, yeah, I think it was a bit like that, actually. So whereas on the first one, there was, I don't know, four or five other people that I had to pitch against. I think on that one, I'd, I think it was just me. Um, yeah, just Tory phoned me and told me about what the song was about. And I think we came up with the ideas together on that one more. You know, I think it was a bit more like that from the get-go you know honestly i don't remember that much about it other than we were um filming in uh, a little uh, cul-de-sac in england trying to make it look like
0: america
13: <laughs> which was easier than...
0: <laughs> spark is so metaphorical and tori has mentioned that you guys wanted to crawl into each line of the song and show the song in a very literal way was this a choice that was dictated by the song or did she really have a clear idea of what she wanted and trusted you with her vision
13: yeah it was like a sort of two-way street i mean we were just throwing ideas around but um it is a bit more literal like you say because it's telling about a time in her life and um just trying to kind of recreate the feeling of that really and also looking back on herself on her life there's her now on her wedding day but she's looking back to when she was a kid so there's when she was younger you know so there's there's her when she's younger as well and so there's these uh there's two tories in that video i know um (laughs) so um yeah so we were just trying to sort of play with that idea and you know try to sort of work out what was symbolic of the emotion really and it was um also the only first time i think that the um JFK Foundation had let people use footage in the music video or that footage. There was some quite big deal about it. So, um, secret Tory fans they are, I think.
0: Wow. I presume. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Must be. Uh, What was your pre-production process like and how did it differ from your Spark process, do you recall?
13: Well, it was quite buttoned down again, quite specific about everything because every line happens at a certain point in the story, you know. So, it's kind of... um, Again, quite similar in in so much as it was all quite preconceived, and we weren't just shooting the hell out of a song and making a video, you know. Mm-hmm. It was you know specific lines to cut with specific things, or to you know to be oh, and now this line has to cut with Young Tory looking at it in the reverse, or you know things like that. So it was all quite sort of buttoned down again. But the um, pre-production was mostly I was just stressed about trying to make England look look like the States, honestly. That was the, uh, it was more the sort of um, technical kind of um, challenges of that, really, was what was the biggest stress from a pre-production point of view. Once we had the idea and had it sort of nailed down line line by line, it was more just trying to frame it so that it worked, you know.
0: I think this is, in part, what makes your videos together so fantastic is that they're, as you say, buttoned down, you have a direction, you know what you need to get, you get what you need to get. And there's a story attached to it. They have a narrative and they feel very clean and well done. You know, I think that has to be attributed to the pre production process. So it's it speaks to the kind of director that you are. But as you're in England in a cul-de-sac, trying to talk about the American dream and Americana, the 60s Americana, as someone who's clearly British, what fascinated you about that? And how did you come to understand that era Uh, just through research or?
13: Well, I suppose um, I've always had a bit of an American dream (laughs) myself. So uh, it was uh, something of a labor of love as well, I suppose. But um, yeah, I mean, I luckily i had Tory <laughs> to sort right. of fall back on because I, d- I didn't really obviously feel that well qualified to speak on that you know but uh, i just put my heart and soul into it and just tried you know i mean it wasn't hard to understand what she was saying and 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 the emotion of it and terrible things that that happened to jfk and things i think well obviously affected the world so you know i think everybody can feel that you know
0: um just purely technically the video Has a a really large cast, probably the largest cast in any Tori Amos video. What was that casting process like for you? Did was it friends? Was it just did you go through formal casting? And what was the pre production kind of like in that regard?
13: It wasn't friends. It was just like you know a usual casting kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Just trying to find good people that had a certain what would you call it like a vulnerability, I suppose. You know, yeah, was really what we were after. And just trying to um, build layers of, you know, of the time, really. And just try to think what what those layers would be, you know. And um, obviously it's all through sort of eyes, sort of female eyes as well, which is, um, so trying to put myself in in that um, mindscape as well um, was, I wouldn't say a challenge, but one of the, you know, one one of the things we had to do, just try to express a lot of it. Also with the black and white of the film, you know, the time scale that it's set in, the time frame that it's set in, yeah, it was very different. In so much as Spark was all about very specific colours, whereas this was, you know, very much about black and white. And um, there's a certain kind of emotion I think that kind of goes with that. You know, Tori in her wedding dress and obviously looked pretty amazing in black and white as mm-hmm. well because of the dresses and white and you know you could play with um, darkness of car around her and the way she's going around the block and and, you know deciding whether to go to her own wedding i I just think it's such a beautiful kind of metaphor for life in a way you know agreed everything going through her mind
0: uh i'm dying to ask you the in the casting process so we all look at that video i mean she does look amazing in black and white and that just whole that whole video is beautiful. But looking at the groom in particular, when she passes the groom going towards the church and she kind of ducks down in the car, the groom in the video looks very similar to her own husband, how he looked at the time, Mark. And we were all curious to know if that was intentional, if you had a discussion about who's playing the groom and that he looked like
13: Mark. Um, Not specifically. Although Tori was very much approved of the casting and now you tell me that maybe i know why <laughs> yes i don't think i ever met mark you know i heard about him but i i'd never actually met him yeah so i think that was just coincidence i just thought the guy was great and uh and she concurred uh, very enthusiastically and now i know why. yes <laughs>
0: Um, you worked with Greg Copeland for both video shoots and what's your process like working with the director of photography? How did you accomplish that split screen technique used where old Tory, older Tori meets young Tory?
13: Yeah, very simple ways of doing it because um, we didn't have a whole lot of cash for it really, you know, and, and it was 22 years ago as you mm-hmm. reminded me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, Greg and I were very close. We uh, worked together a lot for five or six or seven or eight years you know we uh, we worked together exclusively really so we had a very good sort of shorthand when it came to visual stuff and you know we kind of just broke it down really just put things together and took took some stills and had a look at those you know colors and i mean well you know tones i suppose and just tried to work out you know a good simple way of doing it that would be believable and also cinematic you know It's not rocket science, but it was just all about being ahead of the game, really, I suppose, so that when we came to do it, we knew what we were doing, you know. I'm
0: going to ask you the same question I asked you in our Spark conversation. When you look back at the video as a director, is there anything that you would change or wish you had more time to accomplish or just you're looking at it with a more critical eye than we are in terms of technically? Is there anything that you would change?
13: Oh uh, yeah, I'd shoot it in the states. Then my life would be a lot <laughs> easier. <Yeah. laughs> great answer. <laughs> That's a great answer. Yeah. Um, most of it was what not to show, you know. Yeah. Or you know, you can't see it because it looks too English. So we got to just focus in on on this bit of the set, you know. So it kind of made a lot of uh, choices for us, and whether it looks completely convincing, I'm not sure. But luckily, singers, it's mostly in her mindscape, um, as most of her music is, I think then um we get away with it a lot i think
0: i think it's going to come as a surprise to most listeners that that was not shot in the united states i think that you pulled i think that you pulled the wool over our eyes effectively
13: really yeah oh thanks man yeah i
0: <laughs> i was very surprised to learn that um <laughs> ladies and gentlemen follow james brown on instagram at james brown dp thank you so much for taking the time to give us the inside scoop the behind the scenes
13: thanks so much cheers
0: bye all our interviews from this and other episodes can be found in their unedited glory on our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Songs of Tori Amos. Head over there for exclusive content now. And here's a different kind of cover. This is Tori Amos featuring Roger Herink as he harmonizes. And I think it's really beautiful. We'll link to this in our show notes at SongsofToriAmos.com.
5: Stickers, licks on Worshipping David Cassidy Yeah, I him once Donna's, but she's still in recovery. Sleepovers, Sleepover's being some pie. you're only popular with, with anorexia, anorexia so I turn myself inside out and hope someone will say, will say, make me laugh, say so you know what you want
0: we've made it to the live section all right
2: take us there jackie
0: 117 times she took us there jackie (laughs) <laughs> um it all started in 1998 do you remember that mythical year i do a lot of things started in 1998 on the 1998 plugged tour she performed jackie's strength 45 times which was 35 percent of the shows and let me tell you i've listened to all and not just from this tour i've listened to every jackie that survives on a bootleg and every you... Jackie.
2: I'm going to call on your strength in
0: the future, not Jackie after that. (laughs) I tell you, this is a song that has not evolved. But once I got started, I'm like, what if anything has changed? What if one word is different? I got to catch it. So this is what I love about quarantine. This is the only thing I love about quarantine. Just
2: the one thing. All the Jackie's. I guess it's accurate to say it hasn't evolved necessarily, but it has gone through different arrangements. So going into it, you'd assume that this would always be solo, but it hasn't been so in 1998
0: the very first time she ever played it was april 18th in fort lauderdale which was the very first night of the uh, sneak preview tour the north american club tour so here we go roll it all over. <laughs> lot of promo appearances with jackie in 1998
2: she performed it on letterman do you remember that i do and i seem to remember she was really sick at the time yeah
0: she was a little sick here and on conan a week later but she hits a bum note right at the beginning but she fakes it till she makes it like she adds another bum note and then another to make it look like there were no bum notes at all that's how she intended it i meant to do that (laughs) tori
10: amos
2: she gets super sick sometimes on tour and she goes crazy talking about getting like steroid shots and all kinds of stuff but you'd never know it watching this performance i don't think yeah she delivers unless they were trying to distract with a smoky eye and big hair because that hair was teased for letterman at least yeah that wasn't my favorite
0: 98 look i think this next one this is conan august 7th 1998 let's play that this was my favorite look Long black sleeve shirt, black leather skirt, just natural beauty. Yes. Then on September 17th, she performed Jackie's Strength on Leno with
2: tight curls. It was like Annie up there. Yeah. <laughs> Annie meets Jackie O. I do remember that, not only because I was at the taping, but for days beforehand at the meet and greet, she was talking to people about what she was going to wear and how Jackie O it was. And we were like, okay. <laughs> she was pretty excited about it. So <laughs> Really? Yeah. She even mentioned like a pillbox hat, which I don't think ever materialized, but... That's adorable. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
5: You some more and I land with black magic. Can do make me laugh. See, you know, how you can tell me into the things. No, it
0: would be years before she would perform in a hat, right. <laughs> Um, and this is the last promo appearance that we could find um, from 1998. This is October 1st when she performed it solo for the very, very first time on Roseanne because throughout the tour it was with the upright bass and the guitar and some drums. The same on all those promo appearances, but this is the very first time she did it solo Yeah. on Roseanne, October 1st. Roll it, Oliver.
5: So I you some more and I learn with black magic
0: 1999 thrust itself upon us let's play a little of this from whfs just passing through on august 25th 1999
8: i had an experience this summer like a lot of people around the world tory where i woke up on a saturday morning went down turned on the tv to learn about jfk jr's flight going down and the first thought i had honestly was wow Next time I talk to Tori, I've got to ask her about this, because I, I just immediately thought about Jackie's strength and the story about how your mom laid you down on the blanket and the inspiration for that song. Now, were you in England when yeah. that happened? So, a couple of questions. How did you find out? Did your did your mom call you? or? No, uh, and, um, and secondly, what was the reaction like from the British perspective?
1: Well okay here we go see the thing is i found out from natalie who works with us her father had called west coast time and he'd been staying up all night they're eight hours behind so he had heard it really early on because he stays up he's he's like an insomniac so he called and let us know and we started to turn on um european cnn And there was coverage before a lot of America had woken up yet. And I actually called my mother and told her, woke her up. And um, she was in absolute shock, my mother, because in Georgetown, when my father was Methodist minister of Dumbarton, they lived on O Street, I think, next to one of the Kennedy sisters. So I think there's a strange tie that people have with them. Um metaphorically emotionally and my mother wept on the phone and it was just that she reminded me in 1963 when she put me down because she couldn't you know her heart had stopped
8: well this would seem like a pretty good place to segue into yeah. uh time into... for me
1: to do my stuff yeah.
8: <laughs> <laughs> tori amos on just passing through tonight 99.1 hfs
0: In 1999, she performed it four
2: times on tour for a total of 9% of the shows, and mm. each time was solo. Yeah. Interesting that, you know, she would walk it back on the very next tour, barely a year later after playing with the band the entire time, that she decided to make it solo. Why do you think that is? Um, maybe it was one of those songs that means a lot to her that is kind of just between
0: her and the audience, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was just easier to play it solo than save the band for like the rocking songs. You know, this kind of fit into the same bracket that putting the damage on fits into because it's like the upright base, pretty good year. Those songs that are beautiful with the upright bass, but she can easily accomplish solo.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. And pretty much everything else that was arranged with the band on that tour got a venus spacey Space-y makeover. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, that probably wouldn't have worked with Jackie if there was sort of atmospheric views in the background. Jackie yeah. and space. I don't know. Maybe it would have, but she opted not to do that. So we'll never know. September 16th, 1999, the very first time that she
0: ever made a mess up in Jackie... Minneapolis. So strange she performed it 10 times in 2001 for a total of 18.5% of the shows mm,
2: that's a relatively high percentage. Um, But it was a solo tour, so it makes sense to me that it might be a little more present at that point than it would have been otherwise. And given, Mm -hmm. you know, the atmosphere of the country post 9-11 at that point, maybe she was calling on Jackie's strength a little bit more than she would have otherwise. Maybe, yeah. Being at the post
0: 9-11 tour, kind of healing the country. And that clip that we heard earlier from 99 where she talks about JFK Jr., like his plane going down, Mm. and then this... Um, Yeah, it makes a little bit of sense. Here's Jackie's strength on October 17th, Grand Rapids, with a beautiful little intro. And it's the first time that I could tell she ever played around with the beginning. And it's because some comedian in the audience requested Baltimore.
2: I will say my favorite thing about this song live, I think, is that first strength that she whispers so dramatically. And sometimes like a little baby, she goes, strength. (laughs) Drama. (laughs) Gets me every time, yeah. (laughs) High drama. This is November 27th,
0: 2002, the first time she performed it on Scarlet's Walk. Again, totally solo, every time solo. This is uh, Chicago, November 27th. we're talking because i got a big one for you here are you ready it's got to be big give it to me april 23rd imagine me in the front row imagine me i'm doing it my eyes are closed Mm -hmm. okay keep me there don't ever let me sit anywhere else now (laughs) april 23rd dallas the power goes out I'll be honest with you like the lights didn't go out but just the sound went out like someone had shut off all the sound just mm. like in the middle all the speakers went out all her mics went out someone tripped over a cord she, maybe yeah and then she like kept playing but then she realized like what was going on so let's play that here
1: apart. I need
5: to sleep with him later.
0: Don't kill the sound man. She's got to sleep with him later. This is May 2nd, 2003 in New York City on the PBS soundstage. She taped it for the Scarlet soundstage.
5: Sleep over.
0: Do you want to hear an interesting factoid about Jackie's strength? Always. On the Scarlet's Walk tour, she performed Abraham, Martin, and John. You know that song? Yeah. She performed it
2: five times. And each of those five times, it was back-to-back with Jackie's strength. What do we make of that? I'm not familiar enough with that song to sort of make any assumptions about what that pairing means. How about you? I'm not familiar with that song either. Um, I know it's a
0: Dion song. D-I-O-N. Not Celine Dion, but just regular Dion. But it seems to be about JFK. Okay. Um, He's the John in Abraham, Martin, and John. Well, that would make sense. Yeah. It's like a pairing. It's like a mashup without doing a mashup. Mm. It's like China and Curtain Call. Or China and Goodbye Pisces. Mm -hmm. Did we mention that on the Scarlet's Walk Tour, she performed it 13 times for a total of 13.7% of the
2: shows? I'm a little surprised by those numbers, especially since this song and that tour were so much about Americana and the climate of the country. I, I would have expected it to show up a little bit more. But, you know, Tori's going to mm. do what Tori's going to do or not do. This is a song that's never taken a break.
0: There's not a single tour where she hasn't played it at least once. Nope. She's never on the bench. That Jackie. Never. <laughs> she Jackie's always there, every Yeah, (laughs) put me in. Exactly. It was just funny because it hasn't really evolved over time. It's like she wrote a perfect song and this is how she's going to play it every time. Yeah. Yeah. If it ain't broke. Yeah, there are songs in her catalog that are meant to kind of grow and twist
2: and bend over the years, but this is not one of them. Mm -hmm. They spray paint their dresses before they go down the runway. I'll bet Tori would have a lot to say about Jackie. No, she knows who she is.
0: 2003, lot of pianos. Tori performed this song two times for a total of 7% of the shows, 7.1%. Mm. Yeah. We're going to skip right over it and head into the Summer of Sin. You ready? I'm ready. I love a summer wedding. Me too. It's a June bride. On April 3rd, Tori debuted the song on the Original Sensuality Tour with his beautiful instrumental intro. On September second, she performed this song in Austin, Texas, on the Summer of Sin tour. Now, can you picture me in the front row? Because mm-hmm. that's where I was. That's where I was that night too. Summer of Sin. Do we mention that she performed it eleven times in two thousand five mm-hmm. for a total of thirteen point nine percent of the shows,
2: to be exact? Thirteen point nine. We don't round up. No, we don't. <laughs>
0: 2007 tori performed this song only four times for a total of 4.7 percent of the shows and if you want to hear it you got to go buy yourself one of the three legs and boots on which it appears i hate when legs and boots come in odd numbers it freaks me out in fact go buy all three of them what's stopping you we're all (laughs) adults now 2009 sinful attraction tour it was sinful and attractive Mm, sure was and it was she performed it three times on this tour for a total of 4.9% of the shows.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And here's a pre-tour solo performance that I find absolutely stunning. This is May 6, 2009, FM4 Sessions in Vienna at Radio Moon
5: Morning to once on Donna's backs She's still in recovery Sleepovers, beans got some pot You're only popular with anorexios so I turn myself inside out and hope someone will say, "Will say, make me loud." Say you knew what you want You said
0: 2010's midwinter summer tour (laughs) she performed it one time for a total of five percent of the shows and that was on october 8th 2010 in amsterdam Mm. which is she performed it with the metropole orchestra and she must have thought that she messed up the performance because she came back in the encores and did Jackie Strength again. So she technically performed it twice on this tour, but we only counted as once. No, <laughs> um, I prefer the, the version that she thinks she messed up on because I think it's so much more... Lo- I mean, it's so... It's beautiful. Let's play some of that.
5: Stickles me don't Worshipping Yeah, I moved him once on box. still
0: has this really heartbreaking moment at the end here you know she's a perfectionist
2: an ant fucker she's called herself that And this was her first time ever playing with a full orchestra like that, right? So I think she came back out and redid a couple things like Star of Wonder also. I think she did another take of... Yeah,
0: and Snow Cherries from France. Too much cherry if you ask me. I agree. Um, In 2011, Night of Hunters tour, she performed Jackie's Strength four times for a total of 8.5% of the shows.
2: I have a false memory of this tour because if you would have asked me yesterday (laughs) I would have told you that this had a quartet arrangement, but that's not the case right it was solo that is strange don't you think solo why do you think it was strange? I just think it was kind of a gimme, you know, like a winter. Because and a couple... it already has a string yeah, arrangement? Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm kind of baffled by this and Marianne, and frankly, Pretty Good Year, which is a huge missed opportunity not getting uh, quartet arrangements on this tour, but mm. I don't know. No, you're right about the Pretty Good Year, for sure. And
0: possibly even Jackie Strength, but maybe they just didn't have time and she wanted to work up other stuff.
2: There's many reasons, probably. Right. They didn't have time uh, for Jackie Strength or Marianne, but they had time for Holly, Ivy, and Rose. Okay.
0: Heck yeah the holly and the ivy
3: <laughs>
0: no dissing holly ivy and rose now she must have been listening to you because in 2012 on the gold dust tour she performed it seven times and you know how many what percentage that is of the shows 100 yep it's a 100 percent every single time uh, and i love the intro and here she is performing it now this is a slightly different arrangement that i'm gonna play here because she performed it you know with the with the orchestras on the gold dust tour and it was beautiful it was always really sweeping and like lovely it was perfect right Yep. but this arrangement which was an NPR like live broadcast or web broadcast was on October 5th 2012 and she performed it with an octet and I just think it's just so clean and so beautiful and I would love this DVD <laughs>
2: I loved these octet shows. I never got to see one of the Gold Dust shows um, or an octet show, but um, you know, an octet doesn't seem like a bridge too far. She could tour North America with an Mm -hmm. eight-piece, don't you think? And Mm -hmm. I love these arrangements. I think they're so beautiful. And there's um, longer instrumental intros and kind of breaks during a lot of the songs, too, that kind of fill it in and make it really lush. Uh, Mm -hmm. Do it again, Mm -hmm. Tori. Do it again. Instead, in 2014, she went on the Unrepentant Geraldine's tour
0: and performed this song eight times for a total of 10.7% of the shows.
2: Did you see any? I must have. I must have seen this song at least once on that tour, but I don't recall. How about you? You must have. Um, I did not
0: see it this tour. I did not get Jackie's strength in 2014, but I will tell you that in 2017 on the Native Invader tour, Native Invader. Native Invader tour. She performed it five times for a total of 10.2% of the shows. And here's the last time she performed it to date. This is November 28th. In San Diego to end the main set before the encourse.
5: get backstage, no matter what they got no Love you,
2: my turn now can you just take a moment to picture me in the front row because that's where i was at that show i'm picturing it who are you with christina christina aguilera yes exactly ex tina aguilera she's a huge my god she's a huge tori fan (laughs) she loves indian summer she lost her mind when that shit rolled out well i'm glad you didn't introduce me to her because i'm a britney fan (laughs) Uh, lines have been drawn and that was the last time we heard the song for now it's definitely gonna show up again yeah oh yeah you, she's never missed a tour. Can I ask you something as a Jackie Scholar and research librarian? Sure. Were you able to pinpoint when the echo was added? Because it wasn't always there, particularly on the plug tour or those earlier performances. We didn't get make me laugh, make me laugh, say you know, say you know. <laughs> it was just the once. The echo came later. Um,
0: I believe that the echo comes at some point on the plug tour. Because there's one television performance, like I think it's Letterman that doesn't have the echo, and then Conan that does, which is like a week later. Okay. So somewhere in there summer of 98 would be my educated guess
2: yes that sounds right to me and then that for some reason became the accepted kind of canon version of the song because even on studio reconditioned versions like on librarian for example it's added or at least bumped way up where it wasn't noticeable on choir girl so
0: it's like when we're skyping and then i say hello david and then my echo says hello david
2: yes exactly
0: jimmy's club mix of jackie's strength we'll put a link to this in our show notes at songsoftoriamis.com and also if you didn't know head over to our website songsoftoriamis.com where you can click the link for our remix archive we have tons of fan remixes archived in our soundcloud so songsoftoriamis.com if you want to
2: dance well we made it we sure did i'm ready for the honeymoon Mm. how do you feel about marriage now Well, I've always been pro-marriage, if that's
0: what works for people. Mm. Um... I've always been pro-marriage for myself if I find someone that I can coexist with peacefully for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. I would love to marry them.
2: Well, I want that for you, too. I think it's going to happen. Meh. It's not something I'd think about. That's why it's going to happen. If you think about it too much, you push it away. But <laughs> girl, least likely to. It'll happen. If you like what we do, please head over to patreon.com slash and become a supporter today.
0: We have many different perks at many different levels. We have a hundred podcasts you can hear. We have a private audio feed that you you receive when you donate and then you get outtakes and bloopers and songs and God knows what's out there we love um, a blooper a spit take we love uh, a blooper if you head over to our social media platforms at songs of Toremus on Instagram Twitter and Facebook you can interact with us meet the boys behind the woman the woman and also if you're listening to this on iTunes click five stars why don't ya and head over and write us a review we always love a good review that's it that's the end bye bye
5: Shots right up. Oh, these- you.